Hey, what is up, everybody, and welcome back to an all-new episode of My Blind Life. Once again, I'm your host, Stephen Mike, and we are back in better than ever with an all-new season. We got some new guests coming at you. So today, we are blessed to have Joni Martinez. She is one of the stars of the documentary series, Blind Love. I believe you can find it on PBS and other avenues, but I saw it on YouTube, and it's audio-described. Um... You can follow her and other, I think it's three more people on their quest to finding love or their um, their journey into finding love with apps and dating and, and just being blind in general. Um, I talked to Joni about that. I also talked about the ending. Um, if you guys haven't seen Blind Love, I recommend you guys watch it before you finish this episode because there is uh, some spoilers. So uh, go watch it on YouTube. There, it's, it's under, I don't know who... The name of the person, the name of the people of the company that made the documentary. But if you if you just sign search up Blind Love, uh, it'll be on there. And there's two, um, there's two types. There's one without description audio, and there is one with descriptive audio. Um, I saw it with descriptive audio. It's pretty good. It's it's a great documentary. Uh, but I did speak with Joni. Um, she is from Austin, the place that I used to live. Uh, so she's uh. She's, she's a good person. She's very positive, very bubbly, and, and just an all-around great person to have around. Um, I enjoyed this interview, and I hope you guys like it. So once again, I'm going to introduce you guys to Joni Martinez. Welcome to My Blind Life. One, two, three, four! Okay, now we're recording. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, can you hear me? I can hear you, yep. Perfect. All right. Now, we okay, we finally got it. So how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, still trying to stay sane with the whole coronavirus thing. Has that, oh, ha, yeah, me ha, too. Has that taken a toll <laughs> on you? Because, I mean, you, you have to work remotely because you work at the Independent Living Center and you're a dancer. Um, yeah, it's definitely taken a toll on me. I At first, I was I was kind of enjoying it just because, you know, get to stay home, don't have to wake up super early, don't have to navigate traffic <laughs> um but over the last like couple of weeks i think i finally hit a point where i'm like all right i'm not doing anything and this is kind of boring it's it's not that i'm not doing anything it's just that i'm not able to go dancing or go out to eat or go have a drink or go to a movie and um you know i mean it's not like I did all of those things all of the time, but it was just nice to have the option, you know? And then especially the dancing thing, that's definitely been kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm an introvert and like it was fun at the beginning. And then mm-hmm. now it's like, I just, I just want to go out there just, just once a week or something. You know what I mean? I still can't. Just to go. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. to go. But it's just, it's kind of hard, but. Yeah, it's... Well, and see, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I'm like an introverted extrovert. So I, I like, I like dancing. I like socialization to an extent, but I really do enjoy being kind of by myself, you know, and um, I've never had a hard time keeping myself entertained. Well, that's not true. But <laughs> I guess I guess my, my introversion is kind of a recent development, like as I've gotten older, I guess. But um, so, yeah, in the beginning, I was like, this is great. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to go to work. I don't have to, you know, put up with people not to say that people are bad or anything but you know just that whole introvert thing like have you always been like just... um have you always been one to like stick to yourself because i saw that on the documentary you always mentioned that um i haven't always stuck to myself to be honest with you when i was younger probably you know my teens and then my 20s i was very out outgoing i mean i'm still outgoing but i guess 
outgoing is the wrong word. Probably I was very extroverted. So like in college, it was always like, oh, let's have a party at my place or, oh, let's go out and do something. <laughs> or like, um, and, um, and this friend, um, Alana and we would, we lived down the hallway from each other when I was in the dorm in college and, you know, I would just get bored and I'd go and I'd knock on her door. Hey, want to hang out? You know? So yeah, I used to be a lot more extroverted, but, um, but yeah, I'd say probably since I turned about 30, maybe 31, um, I've been a lot more introverted. And I think it's just because, um, you know, I, the whole idea of like the, the party scene, like, let's go clubbing, let's go to bars, let's, let's hang out at people's houses. Like, I think I kind of got over it, yeah, you know, yeah. and now I'm like, I want to read a book or I want to have a nice <laughs> cup of tea or let's watch Netflix or, um, listen to music, you know? And I do, like I said, I enjoy going out dancing. Um, but that's a whole, like, that's, that's another crowd. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah um, the partner sure. dancing scene is a little bit different. So um, yeah, I, I definitely can say that I used to be a lot more extroverted than okay, I am now. Cool. So. so let's, let's start uh, from the beginning. Cause you just mentioned something about when you were younger. So let's, uh, let everyone know, uh, your name and your age and, and your, um, your condition. And then we'll start from little baby Joni is popping out. <laughs> <laughs> I was cute. So, you know, um, well, my name is Joni Martinez and I'm 33 years old and I have retinitis pigmentosa. Did you have that at birth or did it develop? So it developed for the most part. So when I was born, um, I have a, well, I, I'm the youngest of two siblings. I'm the, like the very baby. My oldest sibling is 11 years older than me. And my second oldest is nine years older than me. So um, there's quite an age gap there. But um, by the time I was born, um, I had my, my older sister um, had already been diagnosed with RP. She got diagnosed with it when she was pretty young. Mm-hmm. Um and then I was diagnosed when I was about six. So, um, of course, with RP, a lot of the time, unless you do, you know, gene testing and whatnot, um, it's not very noticeable until it starts to progress. And so my parents started noticing because I always used to like to play outside with my cousins and stuff. And um, my parents started noticing that um, I would run into like, you know, shrubbery in the front yard because, yeah. um, you know, we had a bunch of baby trees. So of course a baby tree isn't very thick, <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> the trunk isn't very thick. And so they started noticing that I run into those or like, um, if there were little holes in the ground, cause I grew up on a ranch and sometimes we got like prairie dogs and whatever, I'd, I'd yeah. step in them without realizing that they were there. And I remember like even losing my shoes, you know, in those. So cause I used to like to wear little <laughs> slip-ons. And, um, like my shoes would fall off and then like, you know, a year later, my dad or my brother would come in the house with like, like a dirt crusted pink slip on (laughs) shoe. And of course we knew it was mine, you know, but so yeah, when I got to be about six years old, my parents kind of thought, well, you know, you know, we already have one kid with RP, maybe it's happening again. So they took me in to get tested and yep, that's what was going on. So, um, so was that, was that easier? Was that like, um, as growing up? Uh, well, diagnosis at six and your sister already had it. Was your, were your parents like, Oh, we've done this before. We know what to do. So was it kind of easier on you to know that they know what to do? Cause I know most parents don't know what to do when, when something like that happens. Mm-hmm. How, how was it for you? That's a good question. And I guess I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think uh, like, I guess, cause I've never, you know, I've never had any other experience other than my own. So I will say that 
I think navigating like the school system was a little bit easier for my parents and stuff like that. But I think that they didn't really have, I don't, I don't feel like they had a huge network of people who were, you know, who had blind children. And so when it came down to it, I don't know if my parents really knew exactly what to do or if they were just kind of going by trial and error. Yeah. Um, So, um, you know, I I think they did what they did and they did pretty well, in my opinion, for both of us, you know. Uh, But maybe in a way, you know, they did already have some kind of um, idea of how to navigate the system. Sure. Given, um, like, I think my mom's always been very kind of just intuitive anyway. So, um, no matter what, I think she had figured out what needed to happen, you know. Um, But as far as the school system was concerned and whatnot, I think that, you know, having an older sibling that was blind did actually allow my parents to sort of have a better idea of resources that were available, especially in a small town. I mean, like I said, I grew up on a farm, on a ranch in northern New Mexico, um, small town of probably 5,000 people. (laughs) And, um, you know, so the school district was very small, so there weren't a lot of resources to begin with. So, um, but even having said that, you know, I think I had a decent, um, you know, I had an itinerant teacher that would visit maybe like once a month yeah. and teach me Braille. And uh, we worked on O&M type stuff and whatnot. And that started happening um, when I was probably elementary school, middle elementary school. Um, how, but how, I also. Oh, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, well, I also had like, you know, a, a teacher's assistant that would work with me on. Yeah the CCTV and stuff like that and what, um, you know, kind of low vision type stuff at the time. Was your sister a big help with that? Um, you know, just maybe knowing what she, like, I guess kind of guiding you in, cause both of y'all have RP, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did she like kind of help along, like as you were growing up as a kid with like, Oh, you know, we do this or, you know, I could show you how to do this or, you know, did she help along the way? Um, I would say kind of, um, in some ways, yes. And then in some ways, I don't know. Cause so I remember as a kid, of course, you look up to your, your big brother and sister, especially with the age gap. So I wanted to play basketball like my brother. And then I wanted to learn Braille like my sister. I always thought it was so cool. Like Braille was such a cool thing. So <laughs> when I, um, I remember, I think, um, when I was in probably like fifth grade or maybe a little younger, um, she got like an old, um, like <laughs> binder that my parents weren't using like it was from one of their banks and it was just an empty binder and she got that and she made me some like some braille you know so she she wrote out the alphabet and some numbers and some punctuation and then because I wanted to learn braille so she kind of taught me like the basics of braille so when I finally when I got older you know and um, even with my itinerant teacher I kind of already had like a basic you know a basic idea um, of braille and so that was that was pretty cool um, but as far as like navigating the world, I, I, I think that we were so, I mean, like I said, there's a nine year age gap. So I think we were kind of at like different points in our lives. And I think she was kind of figuring out how to navigate it on her own too. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, or for herself. So, I mean, aside from like the fact that we were both living with this, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of like, I guess. I don't know, like that, that kind of just was it. Like our support was knowing that the other one had it too. Um, but yeah, I think we both kind of learned how to navigate our world sort of independently. How know? was it at school knowing um, as this? So did you go to a um, a school for the blind or did you go to a public school? 
Um, I did kind of both. So um, all through my elementary school years and um, middle school, I went to public school. So I stayed home um, with my parents and I went to the school in my hometown. And so, of course, I had all my friends from there and stuff. It was weird because um, I feel like I never really felt like I fit in. And that was for so many different reasons. Because as a kid, of course, I couldn't see. So I had the CCTV, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I had a little desk in the corner where I would go if I needed to read my book or whatever. Um, I also, you know, had my big old glasses. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then eventually I started getting large print books and they were not just large print, but they were huge. Like the, like the, the book took up the entire desk. It was just big. And then because they were so big, they came in volumes. It was basically just like, um, a, a larger copy of the book that was already there. So like each of my books had probably like, you know, 20 volumes. So, um, I remember in elementary school, we had this kind of cubby area, you know, so everybody had a little cubby and they could put all their books and maybe their notebooks and whatever. And my books took up like the entire bottom two (laughs) shelves of that cubby, you know? So, um, it was just, it was just crazy. Um, so I don't think I ever felt normal, you know, at least not what I, I thought was normal. Um, and then I had a big old duffel bag that I would carry my books back and forth in whenever I got a new volume or if I had... At the time, you know, there were two volumes that we were working in. I'd have to take both volumes back and forth. And so, um, you know, that was tough. And then I got to middle school and um, I got these like other glasses, right, that were just so awesome or at least whatever. But they were the kind <laughs> of glasses that were really thick and they were really just for reading. Yeah. So when I used them, I had to be like I could use regular print for the most part, sure. but I had to be really close, like maybe an inch or two away from what I was reading. So I'd have to like shove my face down in the book. And then, of course, you know, I got eye fatigue pretty quickly. So I don't know. I just I guess I never really felt like I, I was normal. I mean, I had my friends and stuff, but, and, and I mean, I had a a group of friends that I stuck with. In fact, we're still friends now, you know, but, um, but I, I never felt like I really was one of them, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And, and it was something that I never felt like I could talk about either. And that was with anybody, you know, like I didn't feel like I could talk about my blindness with my friends because, well, they wouldn't understand it. But also I kind of thought like, well, I don't want to be a baby about it or I don't want to like make them sad for me. And then I didn't really feel like I could talk about it like with my family because I didn't want to make them sad. And then like, even with my sister, like, I don't know, I never felt like, I guess growing up, you know, seeing her kind of navigate the way she was or she had. um, And obviously, I mean, now I feel like this, I mean, isn't the truth, but I always felt like she just had it like she she got it she picked it up so easily and so quickly that's what i was going to ask you like because i i know when i first went blind and i first met blind people i saw them mm-hmm. i was like man they have it how like how can i get to that level it's like there's no way i'm going to get to that level did you have that sense with your sister oh yeah i had that sense with her and with everybody that i knew that was blind because also you know when i was a kid i my parents um started sending me to summer camps at the school for the blind and i loved those camps and it was just weird because there were either people like me who at the time could see reasonably well mm-hmm. or people who were completely blind you know but i didn't know who else was losing their vision and then um you know growing up and knowing oh my gosh I'm gonna go blind and having to kind of um 
deal with each of those transitions and not just deal with them, but kind of adjust to them, you know, because with RP, you lose a little bit here, you lose a little bit there. And it's like, you're constantly adjusting. And I didn't ever feel like I knew anyone who was in those, those same shoes, you know? And then I'd see people that were older than me that had been through that already and were completely blind and they were just walking with their canes and, (laughs) you know, doing what they needed to do. And I was like, wow, like that seems so easy. Like, why isn't it easy for me? And then it just kind of got to the point where not only did I not want to make people sad by talking about it, but also I was a little bit self-conscious in that I felt like I was kind of a wimp. You know, because I wasn't handling it as well as these people were. And I mean, maybe outwardly, I seemed like I was handling it fine because I wouldn't ever talk about it. But inwardly, I just like, I didn't even know what to do. Like, I remember seeing um, or or how life was going to turn out. Like, I remember seeing um, uh, commercials on TV about like assisted living facilities, like for your, um, like your, your family members and whatnot. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, am I going to end up in one of those? Because I didn't know, like, am I going to be one of these cool blind people thinking that I probably wouldn't be because, again, it seemed like they had it so easy and I, I wasn't experiencing that, you know, like I, I didn't catch on to the blindness as quickly as it seemed like they had. But again, kind of in retrospect, I guess they all had been at that point at some time, too. I just never knew it. So like not be, not uh, having that feeling that you don't fit in. Did you also feel that way? Because I'm from from some people that I've spoken to. Um, that ha- that are visually impaired and not fully blind, they've mm-hmm. told me that they felt like they didn't feel they fit in in the blind community because they weren't fully blind and then didn't feel like they fit in in the sighted community because they were not fully sighted. Did you ever feel that at all? Oh, yeah, definitely, especially as I got older because, like I said, um, a lot of the – well, so in eventually when I – you know, I went to middle school um, for a year in, at home and then I – in seventh grade, I went to the school for the blind in New Mexico. And then after a year there, I kind of decided, nah, I want to go home again. So I did because, you know, I missed my friends. I missed my family. Sure. And then after after eighth grade, I was like, well, you know, this isn't really working out for me. Like I obviously had lost a lot more vision and whatnot. So I went back to the school for the blind and I stayed there until I graduated from high school. Um, but yeah, it was, it was interesting because, um, I, I did the immersion program at the school for the blind. And so I did half a day at the, um, public school and then half a day at the school for the blind. And, um, basically I did like, you know, math and science and English all at public school and then came back and did like Braille and O&M and all that. But, um, but yeah, it felt like I didn't really fit in either one because I saw like the students who were completely blind that were already using Braille and they were like, or, you know, that already were used to using their canes all the time and whatnot. And it seemed like they were doing better than me at public school. But I think it was because, in a way, like, I was kind of trying to figure out where I fit. And because of, like, the adjustments, I was still trying to figure out, like, what works for me? Am I going to use large print? Am I going to use regular print? Am I going to use Braille? Am I going to use a recorder? Am I going to use a CCTV? You know what I mean? Like. Um, And at the time, I wasn't really good at any of those things (laughs) because, obviously, like, I couldn't use... um, print very well anymore because I was going blind but um but I couldn't use braille very well because I was still learning it you know like I mean like I said I had a a start with you know level or grade one braille you know alphabet punctuation numbers but not it it wasn't till I got to high school that I started learning contractions you know so I wasn't really good at enough at either one to be super um efficient so in eighth grade you said you started losing more of your vision 
how would you feel that at that time like was it scary were you like getting depressed what was going on through your head at that time I feel like you know that's a good question I don't know because I I don't I won't say that I was depressed because I had my friends from home and I had my friends from the school for the blind so I kind of feel and then I had my friends from public school and but but I think that what happened was I got really good at just compartmentalizing things. Yeah. You know, because I could come home and totally act like everything was normal with sure. my friends from home. Go hang out on the weekends, go cruising, go up to the mountains, you know, do stupid stuff that high school students do. And then um, and then I could go back to the school for the blind and it's all about, oh, yeah, Braille. And, oh, I have this teacher for O&M. I hate O&M. And then... You know, um, and then all that and then go to public school and kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, like the, you know, basketball team lost this weekend. That sucks. So I got really good. I think, like I said, at, uh, at just like keeping things where they needed to be. So like my life, like all three parts of my life never really ran into each other. And I think I made a, a decent like um I don't know. I, I think I made a decent effort into doing that just because I was so self-conscious and like afraid of what the other people might either think or even be offended by, you know what I mean? Cause sure. I didn't want to like tell, I didn't want to talk to my sighted friends or my hometown friends about being blind because, well, I mean, what were they going to think or even know, or how were they even going to react? Yeah. You know, I didn't want to make it awkward. Um, but at the same time, like, I didn't want to go back to the school for the blind and be like, oh, yeah, me and my friends went driving around town this weekend. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I wasn't the one driving, but, you yeah. know, because I wasn't sure, like, what their lives were like. And I didn't want to, I guess, I, I guess by that point in my life, I was trying to, like, I, I don't know, I guess because I hadn't fit in or had felt like I didn't fit in for so long. At this point, I was just, like, fitting in wherever I could, even in the smallest amount. You know what I mean? Yeah, at this point, like were you still kind of like not not that it's not not that i'm saying you're not you weren't not talking to your sister but did you kind of feel you, you still couldn't talk to your sister about that just because there was a huge age gap um yeah i mean i i can honestly say that i never really i never really talked to her about stuff like that and and i think the majority of it was because i i feel like the times that i tried um, I never really got the answers that I was looking for in that, not to say that, that she didn't try, but I think maybe, um, I got a lot more of the like, Oh, just get over it. It'll be fine. <laughs> rather than the like, Oh, I, I understand. You know what I mean? And I'm not, yeah. I don't, I don't want to make it out to, to sound like, you know, she didn't care or whatever. Cause I think that really what it was, we just dealt with it in our own ways. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that really kind of just, you know, I think that at that point I was just like, okay, yeah, like, um, you know, and, and again, we would, you know, we could, we could relate to each other on the side of, oh my gosh, like this, this story happened or this stupid thing happened when this guy tried to pull me by my cane or like, <laughs> oh yeah, like there's Braille here. That's so cool. You know, so we could share those kinds of things. Sure. But as far as kind of like adjustment emotionally and whatnot, I think that, um, yeah, we were definitely... We, we definitely always seem to do to be kind of at like different points. Do you, you know? think there was um, maybe since she got through, she went through it, maybe she didn't want to hinder your, um, your growth in that. Like she didn't want to tell you like, 
well, do this and maybe wanted you to figure that out on your own so you can, not to say you weren't independent, but maybe, you know, emotionally independent when it comes to blindness? Um, I think, I don't know. I mean, that's a good possibility. Um, that could be something. Yeah. And, and again, maybe, maybe it was just the approach, you know, like, you know, sometimes tough love works for people. Sometimes, I don't know. I don't know. I just, um, I really, honestly, I have, I have no idea. <laughs> okay, cool. So, all right. So, uh, you got, you're in high school. How was that? Cause that's where, you know, young people start figuring out themselves and finding out themselves. How was it growing up and, and going to high school? Did you, did you still go to school for the blind or did you, were you still in public school? Where, where did you go at that point? So, so in high school, I did both. Um, I went to the school for the blind and I lived on campus and then I went to the local public school for half a day and did kind of my, like I said, Braille, or, I'm sorry, not Braille, um, like, you know, math, science, English, history there. And then um, I would do Braille and O&M at um, the school for the blind. And so, um, so that was kind of how I lived out my high school years. It was kind of halfway in between. Sure. Um, and then I graduated in the end from both. Did you get involved in any like um, activities there? Um, not, I mean, you can't. I don't know about sports in public school, but maybe sports in the the uh, blind school or any any other activities in the public school. Yeah, I got. Um, I I became part of the. Um, well, I was doing key club with um, both of the schools, uh, public school and the school for the blind. What is that? And then I uh, key club. It's it's kind of. Um, it's like a kind of a like a service organization so you know we'd help with if like you know there needed to be like community um, service type of deal yeah basically or if like you know if if somebody you know if there was like a family in town or like we would do stuff for thanksgiving you know like for families who didn't have what they what they needed for thanksgiving but we'd also go to like you know the local senior centers and kind of play you know do game days with the with the the people there or, um, you know, we'd volunteer our time to do things. So that was kind of what key club was. And that was, Oh, that was so fun. I loved key club. And, yeah. <laughs> um, so I did that kind of in between both, um, both schools. And then I did, um, cheerleading at the school for the blind. I played goalball. I loved goalball. That was kind of my thing. I did that for, I did that every year that I was at the school for the blind. So all four years of high school. And then this, the year of seventh grade that I was there and um, I played right wing to begin with and I moved on to center and that was probably like the best sports experience I had in high school. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was really fun. I was, I was pretty decent at it and it was, it provided, um, you know, a lot of opportunities to kind of travel, meet other people from other schools for the blind or, you know, different States and stuff like that. So that was really fun. Did you ever go far as in like tournaments and, and, and medals and oh, trophies? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, we did a lot of tournaments, a couple of them here in Texas. Um, we did some in Arizona, Colorado. Um, yeah, we definitely, um, as far as, well, I mean, obviously it's generally girls, you know, versus girls and guys versus guys. Um, but we did a couple of co-ed tournaments in Arizona. I feel like that's the only place where we did co-ed. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was cool. I mean, we placed first a couple of times, well, I mean, a few times that I can remember. So, um, you're, you're a big dancer, but that, was there any type of dancing that you probably started getting into in high school? So the dancing thing kind of started happening just in general from the time that I was a kid. Like I remember when I was, when I was younger, um, well, I have a really big family, <laughs> like huge, um, 
my mom is from a family of like 16 and my oh, wow. dad is from a family of seven, six, yeah. six. Yes. And so, um, um, you know, just anytime there was a wedding or a graduation or some kind of celebration, there's always a million people. And of course <laughs> there had to be a band, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I just always remember seeing people dancing and just like loving the music and, of course, like um, feeling the energy from the music and seeing people be able to kind of like move to that and enjoy it and have fun. And I always remember thinking like, I want to do that. I want to do that. And I remember just always wanting to learn how to dance. And then, um, of course, growing up, you know, when I was a kid, they used to have ballroom competitions on TV, like during, I don't even know if it was like during the Olympics time or whatever, but I remember there being ballroom competitions on TV during the summers and stuff and watching them and thinking like, wow, that's so cool. And I love their dresses and that's awesome, <laughs> you know, and, um, and always just wanting to learn how to dance. And then of course, um, you know, early nineties, like we call it Neo swing, um, like the, that like big band kind oh, of swing yeah. that you used to see on the gap commercials. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and like people would do stunts and all of that. And I always thought that was cool and wanted to kind of do that too. So I think that's kind of like just watching it is sort of where my love of dance came in. And then also, like I said, just the energy from the music. And, um, so in high school, I guess at that point I wasn't like, I had no formalized dance training. Like I knew how to two step. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then whatever, you know, we did in PE elementary school when they had like the, the month of like teaching you how to dance. But other than that, I didn't really know a whole lot of actual dancing. Sure. Um, and then when I say two step, you know, I'm talking about Country. I don't, I, well, yeah, country, exactly. But then I moved, eventually I moved to Austin, uh, to Texas. And then when they talk about two-step here, it's a completely different thing. So, <laughs> Depending on where you go. There's like the Texas two-step and then the regular two-step. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so. Um, when did you move to Austin, actually? I moved to Austin, golly, after late, several years later. I, I graduated from high school in 2005 and I moved to Austin in 2014. Okay, so you went to college in New Mexico? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how was how was your experience there in college? Um, so in college, it was interesting because, again, I was still trying to figure out where I was. Um, I was trying to figure out how to navigate, like, the college system. And, of course, you have to, like, you know, you know work with the, this, um, the office for services. students with disabilities. Yeah. yeah. And um, I was figuring out how to do that because, all in all, I really think that I wasn't super prepared in knowing like what accommodations I really truly needed you know what I mean um so I kind of learned as I went um and it was interesting like um of course I went I had my interview with them uh we talked about all of the you know the accommodations that I might need we went through it yeah it worked out they got me my letter I went and I talked to my professors and I remember the first year that I was in college, um, I started at New Mexico state, which is a pretty big university. Mm-hmm. And, um, I went to my psychology professor and, um, it was a big class, right? I mean, huge, like auditorium, uh, style class, but I went in and I was like, hi, you know, I'm Joni. Um, I'm blind, you know, I went through the whole like disclosure statement um, and I'm signed up with the services for students with disabilities. And um, I have a letter here kind of talking about sort of the accommodations that I might need. But all in all, it's like, you know, maybe large print, maybe email me my handouts. And I'm trying to like give him this like quick, you know, 
um, you know, or a shorter story of it. So he didn't have to necessarily even read the letter if he didn't want to, you know? Um, but I just, I was like, so, you know, and then I kind of stood there when I was done and he was like, I have 200 students, you, (laughs) you know, I'm not going to be able to like help you with this. And I was just like, Whoa. So that freaked me out a little bit. Yeah. Um, luckily enough <laughs> for me, I guess, cause, um, you know, again, this is like my first experience with this. So I was like, Oh, is it always going to be like How intimidating was that? It was very intimidating. Yeah. So I went back to, um, the services for students with disabilities and I was like, I don't think this guy really cares, you know? And at the time, again, I wasn't super prepared I wasn't well versed in any of this stuff. And so I didn't know that this was like a total, it was like a law, you know, like yeah. whether he wants to or not, he's got to provide or at least work with us to provide some, some kind of accommodation, sure. you know? Um, so I went back to this, you know, to the office and um, luckily for me, like I said, there was a lady and her boyfriend that were both taking the same class and she was dyslexic and she had the same reaction from the professor that I did. Oh, wow. And, um, so her and her boyfriend, um, had gone and kind of complained about it. And so, um, the, the staff at the, um, OSD office were basically like, we're going to put you in touch with these guys and we're going to help you all out. But at least, you know, you have some support in that class. And so I thought, okay, cool. So after that, like I made a couple of new friends and we sat together like the whole time. And once OSD, like, um like truly got involved the the professor like he calmed down a little bit he was like okay okay we're good you know like (laughs) i think he they might have freaked him out a little bit because you know they probably like threw it in his face like you have to do this you know Um, (laughs) yeah exactly so after that it, it was pretty cool like i mean that ended up working out and then um moving on from there um i feel like it ended up being kind of a very it, it was a super intimidating um experience but um i think it helped me out because i did have like that small support of the the other two people in my class and um or the lady and her boyfriend and then you know the office helped out a lot so after that i kind of thought like okay now i know you know how to approach this in the future how did it feel knowing that after that that incident you had that support how did it feel because i know some students who just entered college or just entered um, their first year, they just some, some may not know and they feel like, like you said, it's intimidating or intimidated by a professor or even just going to the office. How does it feel knowing that there is an actual support system for those kind of situations? I think it felt empowering because I know that when I left the school for the blind, I really did feel like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so weird because there's not going to be blind people everywhere. And everybody isn't going to, everybody that I interact with, or I mean, at least 80%, 85% of the people I interact with are going to know about blindness, you know? Yeah. Um, so at first, yeah, it was scary. And then obviously I was very intimidated because I went, I went in there kind of super nervous about it anyway and then the guy was an a-hole about it so um yeah intimidated or you know intimidating for sure um but then once yeah once it all got cleared up and I kind of learned a little bit more like I said I learned sort of as I went um it it was empowering because more and more than you know um as time passed I kind of just realized like okay this is what I need this is what um what you know resources are available and this is kind of what I'm allowed to have, you know what I mean? As far as accommodations and whatnot. So that really helped out a lot. And then of course, like knowing that there were people there who did support me, I didn't feel so alone, I guess at that point. Yeah. Um, So it wasn't like a big chasm of 
empty space anymore, like of the unknown, of darkness and the unknown, you know. <laughs> yeah. At that point, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm getting better at this. <laughs> um, small steps, but, you know, um, you learn as you go, I guess. So, did, you, did you live on the dorms? I did, yeah. Every year that I, um, until, yeah, every year, pretty much, I lived in dorms. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I lived, um, and I went to school in New Mexico State for a couple of years. I lived in the dorms both years there. Um, and then I, after, cause I, I honestly, when I went into college, I was like, I want to do hospitality. And then I kind of started thinking like, okay, like the chances of me doing really well in hospitality are low. So yeah. then I thought, okay, well, I want to do something with business and, you know, um, working with people and the fun side of it. So I kind of thought like business marketing, and then um, there's a pretty big business school there at New Mexico State. And then I kind of started looking into it and thinking, like, I don't know if this is really what I want. Like, and on top of that, there was a ton of business calculus that I had to take. And I don't I didn't want to take business <laughs> calculus for like four years, you know, so I kind of thought, yeah, maybe not. Um, and, and then I really started thinking, like, OK, well, what's something that that I could be pretty, um, pretty successful at that I would enjoy where I feel like maybe I can make a change or do something um, fun that I'm interested in. At any and point, that's... did you ever think to like trying to figure out what you wanted to study or what you wanted to go into? Um, was there any point that you thought, I don't know if I could do this as a blind person or, you know? Yes. Yeah. Well, and to be quite honest with you, that was one of the reasons I didn't want to work on business calculus for, for four semesters or whatever it was just because I, I was already kind of struggling with math, not because I wasn't good at it, but because, you know, handouts were hard to read. Um, you know, the board the you know, the chalkboard, or even, I guess at that point, even the marker boards were starting to be hard to read. So it took a lot more for me to, I think, understand some of the concepts and stuff. Cause I'd have to go to labs so that, um, they could just explain to me what I was supposed to be learning in class, you know, because I couldn't see. And, I mean, what were they really going to do at that point? You know, like put me closer to the board because that wasn't really working anymore. So and, and again, you know, I was still learning as I went. So I didn't really know how to approach that. And then I guess like the idea of so much math kind of it was daunting, you know. So yeah. I thought, nah, as a blind person, I don't think I can do that. Looking back on it now, I'm like, well, shucks, I could have totally done that, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know. It, it happens the way it happens. But I, and at that point I really thought like, okay, well, you know me, I, I like to help people. You know, I was always kind of the friend in high school that was like helping everybody with their, their problems with their parents or their problems with the boys that they liked or their problems <laughs> with their siblings or whatever. So I kind of thought maybe I can be a counselor and go into psychology. So that's kind of where I started. Um, and then I decided, well, you know, maybe social work would be a better degree just because it's a little bit more versatile yeah and then um at that point i decided to transfer which which then was another task in its own because then i had to get used to a new campus and new people and you know <laughs> it starts again it starts again how was that experience like trying to get used to the wait the first campus and then going to another campus and getting used to it and trying to learn the layout how, how was that uh experience i feel like that was it was a little bit harder because um at least when i started at new mexico state i had enough vision to fake it at least <laughs> i thought so anyway even though later on I, I found out from friends like um because i always like to say that i wasn't i wasn't like openly blind but i was honestly blind because i could I, I didn't use a cane when i was uh, my first couple of years of college um 
but I shuffled my feet. Obviously, I walked kind of slow. <laughs> yeah. um, not super slow, but, you know, just, I, you know, I think um, it was like I was just moseying around, like not a care in the world. And a lot of people, you know, eventually I, I became friends with them. And they were like, yeah, we'd see you on campus. And we just thought, like, you were just, like, so laid back because you were just doing, like, nothing, you know. Or, like, even, you know, um, there were even um, people who were like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, we just like always saw you like walking around and you like trip on something and you just keep going. And we were like, wow, that girl like parties hard, you know, like she must be drinking all the time. And I was like, ah, yeah, not really. Or like, or then there were even like, you know, that was kind of just funny, you know, but then there were even like, um, I remember this one guy, we eventually became friends because um, we were kind of all part of the same freshman class, like the, you know, the beginner, like the intro classes or whatever, yeah. um, like the, freshman introduction week or whatever we were part of the same group and they didn't know this about me in the beginning of course but later on like you know he'd see me on campus walking around like we'd pass each other on the sidewalk or whatever and he'd wave at me but he wouldn't say anything and obviously I mean like I wouldn't wave back you know and so he didn't know until later on when we actually had the conversation about like oh yeah I'm blind he was like oh I thought you were just kind of a bitch because like you never wanted to talk to me and I was like no I couldn't see you like if you would have said hi I would have obviously responded you know but um so yeah it was just it was weird you know and again kind of looking back on it like you know if I would have been using my cane at the time um you know, maybe it would have been better, like, you know, people would have known, but you know, there's so many weird things that come along with it. Cause you're self-conscious to use your cane. You sure, don't want yeah. people to know you're blind. But now that I look back on it, I'm like, everybody knew I was something, whether it was, they thought I was drunk or they thought I was kind of an <laughs> asshole or, or they just thought I was like a slow walker. I don't know. Like just at, in the end, kind of looking back on it, like I said, like what I didn't, I was so like, I was so just, I don't, I, I just didn't want anybody to know that I was blind to the point where I was, I was trying to fake it so hard, but like, what did people really see about me? Like, would that blindness have been that big of a deal? So you were obviously struggling with that part. Like what, what exactly was going through your head? Like, I don't want nobody to know this. It's okay to think that I'm a bitch or it's okay for them to think that I'm high or drunk. drunk or something you know yeah and you know yes Stephen, that's exactly what I thought I would rather people think that of me because I had it in my head that if people knew that I was blind then they were going to pity me or they were going to think like that there was that there was other things wrong with me like they were going to think that I was um like multiply impaired you know what I mean like yeah. people weren't going to want to hang out with me because I was blind and people were just going to judge me for it um but yeah, I mean, that was kind of my inner struggle. I was like, well, at least they think I'm a cool party person. Like, at least they think I'm fun. You know, I'd rather them think that than, than, than know that I have this like disability, that I have this like total imperfection. Sure. You know what I mean? So yeah, that was, that was constantly in my head. <laughs> how, how was your friend's reactions after you told him like, oh yeah, it's because I'm blind. I, I didn't wave back. In a way, like they were just like, well, thinking about it now it was like okay they were fine with it like once we started talking about it they were like oh okay and then like we'd talk about assistive technology like oh yeah well my computer talks to me because they'd be like well how do you do your homework well my computer talks to me i have jaws at that point i was i was kind of using a combination of jaws and zoom text 
Um, and so, um, or window eyes and zoom text at the time it was window eyes, um, before that went away, you know, they worked pretty well together. Um, so I was using a combination of them. And so they were all like, wow, that's pretty cool. And then I would break out the cane from time to time and they're like, yeah, that's cool. You know, but I never <laughs> used it like 100% seriously, especially like the, the telescoping ones and the folding ones. Those were always fun. But I think like in the beginning, it was kind of like a novelty, like, oh yeah, that's my boyfriend. That's my boyfriend. But even that, like, I think it was kind of like, I felt a little bit more accepted for who yeah. I was, but even still, I didn't want to be known as the blind friend. And then of course I had like my, my smaller group of friends who didn't, who didn't act like that. They were just like, okay, yeah, that's Joni, you know? Um, but in the beginning, yeah, I think for, for a lot of, a lot of this group of people that I, that I, you know, initially knew in college, it was, it was kind of a novelty type thing, but you know, that kind of went away and it, and it all just kind of became like, okay, like it wasn't a big deal anymore. And I think that, um, again, kind of looking back on it when I, when I made it into less of a deal than so did everybody else, you know, like yeah. I think a big part of blindness or disability or just any insecurity at all is like, we're so focused on it that we're always thinking that people are focused on it too, but really they're not like half the time they don't even realize that it's happening. Yeah. And, um, and I, I think that once we can get over it, then, then so can they, you know what I mean? Cause sure. as long as we make it taboo and we make it not okay, then that's what they're going to think too. And then when we are able to kind of like laugh at it and be like, Oh yeah, that's okay. You can ask that question or yeah, let me show you. Then, then they're more comfortable with it as well. At what point did you like when, okay. So when did you start feeling accepted and when did you start like, okay, I could use my cane around campus and like, okay, I'm, I'm actually a student, like one of them. I'm not just a blind student. I'm an actual student. So, that never really happened in college. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a long process. Okay, so um, okay, like I said, I was okay with these people knowing about it, but I wasn't so much okay with broadcasting it to the world yet. Sure. Um, and then eventually I, I transferred schools, and it was the same thing. Um, same things happened. I had my small group of friends that knew about it. Um, my OSD people knew about it. My professors knew about it. Some of my classmates knew about it. But I wasn't broadcasting it to the world. Sure. Um, so eventually, I don't know. I, I mean, second college experience was the same thing as the first for the most part. You know, I was just there longer. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I was better at navigating the campus, I guess. Um, but, you know, I, I always had a lot of support. Like, um, I had an awesome VR counselor. And, um, golly, she was with me from the time that I was probably like 14, 15 until... I got a job, you know, and she, I mean, I'm friends with her on Facebook. She's awesome. And I totally like tip my hat to her because I was a pain in the ass. I never <laughs> wanted to do anything that anybody told me. And I remember, you know, there were times where she's like, you know, it's going to be okay. Like blindness isn't that bad. You can still do stuff. Like, you know, maybe you, uh, you should start using your cane more. Maybe you should do this. And I remember just thinking like, how do you know you're not blind? Like you've never been there before, yeah. you know? And I, I feel like I may have even said that to her. And she's like, you know, I haven't been there, but I know what it's like to, you know, have to adjust to something and not want to and, you know, have a hard time with something. And I, I know other blind people, you know, and I think that if you kind of just take this step, it's going to make it easier for you. And and she stuck with me no matter what, like no matter how much of a brat I was, like she really kind of just stuck with me. And, and you know, I love her because of that. So you're really hesitant at first with everything? Oh yeah, with everything. And then um, finally, well, when I moved to him, one of my one of my kind of eye opening moments was um, 
so I went to, like I said, I, I moved schools and at this time her office and my university were in the same city. So we were able to kind of meet, um, in person a little bit more regularly and have little like, you know, coffee meetings and whatever. And it was really fun. Like I really got to know her better as a person. I really started to see like, okay, she's not just trying to get me like trying to push me through this, but she's actually genuinely trying to help me. So that was very helpful. Um, in, you know, when I moved. And then also when I got to this new school, um, the, the guy who was the head of the office for students with disabilities, he knew all this stuff about blindness. And I was like, Whoa, like it was kind of <laughs> impressive. Like he wasn't judging me or anything. He's like, do you need this? Do you need this? Do you need this? Blah, blah, blah. We're going to find this from here and we're going to get this from there. And it was just great. I was like, Whoa, like it wasn't even a, a big deal. You yeah. know what I mean? And I was like, okay, okay. And then also, I don't know. I love telling this story because I think it really did have a big impact on sort of where I was. Um, but I started dating this guy and, um, we ended up dating for golly, like five years. Um, but at some point after probably like the two, two and a half year mark, um, probably two years, I don't know. We were like, okay, it's time to meet each other's families. Right. Yeah. And, um, so his mom was a lawyer and, um, pretty well known in our, in our area. And, I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, because his mom was a lawyer. One of his uncles was a lawyer. They had their own law firm. Um, you know, they just like were like a very, like just a good family, a well-respected family. And I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, she's going to take me home. And then they're going to find out I'm blind. Cause obviously like, he's not going to not tell them like he knew, you know, Yeah. again, still though, I wasn't using a cane. I wasn't really like super um, broadcasting like, it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I remember um, just being so like nervous, like, oh my gosh, what are they going to think about? Not even just me, but what are they going to like think about him? Are they going to give him a hard time because he's taking a blind girl home? Like, you know, like yeah. what's going to happen? Um, so I was, I was kind of really afraid about the judgment from his family. And, um, you know, we had been hanging out with him for a while, um, you know, and I think probably like six months in after I'd already met him, one day um, we were at his mom's house and he had gone outside to like, the three of us were watching TV or we were watching a movie or something. And he went outside to go help somebody with something. And so her and I kind of started talking and she was the one who kind of brought it up, you know, like, so, you know, she started asking me about blindness and whatnot. And um, then she started talking about how um, she kind of understood how I felt. Cause I told her like, you know, I don't want people to pity me. I don't want people to think that like, I can't do something just cause I'm blind. Sure. Um, and that's probably my biggest fear in, in people knowing. And she told me like, you know, I understand that because she had cancer. She, 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 obviously she wasn't blind, but she had gone through cancer and she had survived it. And she told me like, you know, that was so hard for me to like tell people because, you know, she's a very strong woman. She, um, she, like I said, she's a lawyer. Um, she went on to become one of the district judges in that area and just like awesome lady, very smart, very independent. Um, and she, um, was like, you know, if, if, if I felt like if people knew that I had cancer, everybody would judge me and pity me for it. Like, oh, poor you, poor you. And that was the last thing she wanted. And so when she started talking about this, I was like, wow, I think this lady gets me, you know? Yeah. And then I, I asked her like, well, you know, to be honest with you, um, I was a little bit nervous about meeting you guys and the family because I didn't know if y'all were going to like judge me or like what y'all were going to think. And I was like, so when, when he told you that his girlfriend was blind, like what was your reaction? And I was like, just, you know, 100% honesty. And she was like, you know, I didn't, I didn't really think anything of it. And I was like, really? And she was like, yeah, well, when I was in 
um, she told me about when she was um, in college, in law school, um, she actually went to law school with a blind guy. There was a blind guy in her class. And I was like, really? And she was like, yeah. And at first I kind of like about him, she thought like, wow, like, how's he going to do this and whatever. But she said that, no, like nothing was different about him. He went to class every day, just like everyone else. He presented his arguments just like everyone else. He did the coursework just like everyone else. And she was like, and he was blind. So I figured like, you know, I mean, what's, what's the difference just because he's blind doesn't mean he can't, he's working just as hard as I am. Um, he's doing everything just like I am, you know? And she was like, so basically he was kind of the person who set like the ideas about blind people that she had kind of in motion. You know what I mean? Sure. And because of that, like later on when her son's like, Oh, my girlfriend's blind. She didn't really have a whole lot of like, like, you know, stereotypical or even like, like negative thoughts about it. She was yeah. just like, okay. She was already, she's already seen, um, a, a other side of Stevie wonder and, and, and exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like she saw a real blind person who, yeah, exactly. And I thought that was interesting because <laughs> like fate has it. Um, later on, the first job that I had was at the New Mexico commission for the blind. And that guy, that very same guy ended up being my boss. Oh wow! <laughs> so, I mean, like not my direct boss. He was kind of like the head of the agency. Yeah. Um, but How'd it was you find kinda, that out? Kind of cool. Um, well, so I already knew who he was because mm-hmm. of that agency. Um, and then, and then later on, um, well, cause I asked her, I mean, the blind community is small and yeah. we already, we all know that, but in New Mexico, it's just so small. <laughs> you know? yeah. So I was like, well, you know, what's his name? And she couldn't remember his first name, but she remembered his last name and, his last name is unique enough to the point that um, that I knew exactly who he was when she when she was talking about him. Oh, okay. um, just because I knew who he was through the blind community. And then, like I said, after I graduated um, from college, um, well, I mean, this guy and I eventually broke up. <laughs> but um, but I graduated from college. Um, I started some grad school courses. Got totally burnt out with it. And at that point, like my vision was sort of it was gone. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't functional at all. I couldn't fake it anymore. And at that point I kind of decided at this point, were you total? I wasn't total. I mean, I can honestly say I'm still not a hundred percent total. I mean, I have probably like, well, okay. In one of my eyes, I think I'm total. And the other, I have some light perception. Um, but like, so, um, at this point though, I I was probably at where I'm I'm at now. And so I kind of thought like, I'm not going to be able to even fake school right now. Like, uh, you know, so I decided to go back and get more training. Um, so I went to the orientation center for the blind in New Mexico, which is kind of like the Chris Cole of Texas. Sure. Um, and I told myself, I'm only going to go there for a semester because I'm going to come back and get right back to grad school. I figured I'd take a semester off to get this training, go back to grad school. Well, I went and I did this semester and I think that's where it kind of all finally fell into place, um, at the orientation center. Um, cause at that point, um, it was a, full-on blindfold training center so um so you had to wear a blindfold for all of your classes eight hours a day or you know eight to five because we even had to do lunch with our blindfolds on until we finished and turned in our trays and then we could take it off for what 15 20 minutes if we had that (laughs) left you know um but so um i think my very first o&m lesson there um was almost like a relief. It was weird because I put on the blindfold and we just went walking. Like my O&M instructor there, I mean, I've always had really fantastic O&M teachers. Um, 
And this particular one, I think, kind of saw where I was and just kind of was like, yeah, you know, let's just walk. You know, like sure. he wasn't he wasn't going to pressure me into doing anything. We just walked. We we chatted. Um, and then I I feel like afterward, it kind of he kind of brought it up. He was like, well, you have your blindfold on and you're using your cane. I'm like, yeah, pretty cool. huh?" And he was <laughs> like, yeah, pretty cool, because I, I haven't given you any instruction. You just did it. Like, what does that even mean to you? And I was like, I don't know. You know, and he starts telling me, like, well, do you think that maybe it's because you've needed this like all this time? And, and like, you know, you've been walking around without vision for so long that now that you have this tool in your hand, you're actually doing better than you were before. And I kind of thought about it and I was like, well, shit, you're right. <laughs> you know? So that was kind of like that, that aha moment, I think, that I had. And so like emotionally, I think I struggled for so long. But, you know, I think there were all these kind of like small little steps that I had to take and all these people that kind of got thrown into my life that, you know, with these stories, like, you know, my, my ex-boyfriend's mom, who just kind of made me feel a little bit less like um, inferior, yeah. you know? Um, and then finally, like, just when I felt like the, cause I mean, in college, when I was trying to navigate these campuses without a cane and stuff, it was, it was scary. Like, you know, it was, it was almost like panic inducing. Cause I remember thinking like, okay, there's construction on the street today. So now I have to like walk Ooh. in this direction. And I have to make sure and not fall off of that sidewalk. And I have to make sure that, um, that I, I remember that there's a street here and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, there was just all this extra pressure that I think I added to myself because I didn't want to just like pick up that cane. And so when I finally did and I realized like, whoa, this is, you know, crazy. Like it was like this, just <laughs> this huge, like this huge weight had been lifted off of my shoulders. And I think that that was my final like step. Like, you know, it was of the acceptance. final thing that told me. Yeah, exactly. Of acceptance. And of course, like, you know, since then, um, I, I, I always have to say, like, as far as acceptance goes, does any, is anybody really accepted? 100%, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or is anyone 100% adjusted ever? Like, I think there's always things that you have to get used to. And there's always those, those questions, those dumb questions on those days that you just don't feel like answering dumb questions, yeah. you know? Um, but I think that, that at that point I was like, you know what? Blindness really isn't that bad. And if that's who I am, then whatever, you know? So before, before you, um, went to that, to, to go get O and M, you didn't have any training, or you had some, but not like full on. What did you have any hesitation? Like, uh, I want to, but then how's how how's everyone? Because I know some people like they want to get training, but then like, do I need it? Do yes. I? You know, what was your feeling with that? I remember, like, um, I think that. I just, I remember thinking like, well, if I go, then like, I don't know, then there's really, I, I, I just, I just remember thinking like, well, then I'd have to leave my friends. And then there's this big gap in my, my schooling. And then like, you know, there were just so many factors, like I'm leaving all this behind, like who knows what's going to happen? What are my friends and family going to think? Because I felt like at the point of me going to the center for the blind or, you know, the orientation center there, it was kind of like me admitting yes I'm blind you know yeah. what I mean and for me to admit that to myself I think was the biggest thing because everybody around me already knew it <laughs> but that was the one thing that I didn't realize you yeah. know what I mean like I didn't want to admit it to all of my friends because then at that point I was like well now they're going to know well they already knew I was the one <laughs> that didn't know you know what I mean it yeah. was it was all me it was all me and looking at myself from 
just kind of from within and not realizing like everybody around me already knows what's going on. I'm like the only person who can't accept it, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, that was a big, a big thing for me. And it wasn't just like my friends. It was also my family. Like, um, I mean, I had, I had sight, like, um, like, you know, my sister lost her vision a lot earlier in age than I did. Um, and I kind of always felt like, well, I'm, I'm still the, I'm still the one that has vision. Like I always kind of felt like my parents kind of wanted me to still be able to see something, even if it wasn't perfect, they still kind of were like, oh yeah, but she's, she's not blind. You know what I mean? Like she's, she has a visual impairment, but she's not blind. And so in some weird way, I kind of didn't want to let them down. You know what I mean? Um, so it was, it was weird. There was, there was like the whole, um, aside from my family, like, I don't want to let my parents down by admitting that I'm blind. But at the same time, like there was from my, my friends, like, I don't want them to feel bad for me because I'm blind. And just, you know, it, it was a whole weird, um, kind of other emotional process that I had to go through. Okay. So you admitted that to yourself that you were blind, mm-hmm. but now at this point, I guess this kind of looks like, were you admitting to yourself that you needed help? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. How did that feel? I feel like that's a big, a big issue because I think I've always kind of been pretty independent. Like I need to do this on my own. I've got it, you know? And so, yeah, I I feel like kind of admitting that was also difficult. I think that was probably, you know, what I had to accept on my own. You know what I mean? For myself was, yeah, I mean, we all need help sometimes, but it's not always easy to ask for it. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I, I know that feeling. So, okay. So you finally, you, so you got help, you got oriented, you, you know, now you're with the cane. What happened after that? So after that, everything just got like clear. (laughs) (laughs) Weird, right? I mean, I had to, I had to just, you know, go through everything. Like you're saying, I had to admit that I needed help. I had to realize that it's okay to be blind. I had to, you know, kind of go through that process of, um, you know, being able to live, like, you know, admit it to my friends and family. And okay, I say everything became clear. So it became clear to me, I wasn't stressed out anymore about getting around. I wasn't stressed out anymore about just being who I was. But what did kind of stress me out in a way was now how um, is my family going to react to me using a cane? How are my friends going to react to me using a cane? Like, um, it was kind of funny. Um, One night, um, before I left to the orientation center, um, my friends kind of had a little like, oh, well, you're leaving, but you're coming back in six months. So it's not a big deal, you know, but they had a little kind of going away party for me. Yeah. And so we're talking about it and they're asking me all these questions like, okay, so what do you do at this place? What are you going to do? What are they going to teach you? What are you going to learn? And I was like, well, I'm going to learn how to travel as a blind person. And, you know, and I remember my friend, Steven, <laughs> I love this guy. He's like, so whenever you go, are you going to get, um, well, it was him and Daniel and they were partners at the time. And, um, and, uh, and um, Stephen was like, so are you going to get a cane or are you going to get a dog? Or he said stick, you know, of course. Yeah. But I'm like, it's a cane. But they're like, are you going to get a dog or are you going to get a stick? And I'm like, I'm going to get a stick, but it's a cane, you know. <laughs> and then they're like, okay, so you're going to get a cane. And then Daniel was like, oh, dogs are so much cuter. <laughs> like, okay, whatever. But I just, I remember like that conversation because it was one of the best conversations ever. They were just like, oh, cool. So you're going to get a cane and now you're going to be able to walk with one and blah, 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 you know. And then, um, so that was kind of cool. Um, but I did, I did notice like when I came back, even like Steven being my example, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, one day we went to the mall after I came back and I'm using my cane and we're walking through like, I think it was like Macy's or something. And, um, 
we were going up the escalator and I remember we we're getting off the escalator because or we're, we're about to get on the escalator and he's like oh my gosh wait 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 we're there's like an escalator here so um I don't know how do we do this and I'm like <laughs> it's okay it's okay I got it you know and he's like oh okay okay so it's coming to an end so like don't fall do you need me to hold you and I'm like it's okay it's so you know having to walk people through this because now having the cane like it's like right there like they know like it's it's not a question anymore it's yeah. like a you know so I'm like, it's, it's okay. I got it. You know? And then we're, we're getting off the escalator and, and he's like, Oh, there's something there. You're going to hit it with your, you're going to hit it with your hand. You're gonna, and I'm like, I know, I know it's okay. It's okay. It's not going to fall over. So kind of navigating that kind of stuff. But then also like, I remember, and I think this was just because, you know, it was something that was so ingrained in my parents. Like, um, I remember once I was going Christmas shopping with my dad and we were at the mall in Santa Fe and, um, he, um, we were, we were getting out of the truck to go into the mall and I had put my cane like in the bed of the truck and I couldn't reach it and like trying to like get on my tiptoes and stick my arm <laughs> down there as, as much as I could. And I couldn't reach it. And I was like, dad, can you get it for me? He was like, it's okay. You don't need that. You have me. And oh my God, I wanted to cry because I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like it broke my heart because like I said, I kind of, I kind of was at that point where I was like, well, I don't want to admit this even to my parents. Cause I felt like they were sort of like, she's she's okay you know what I mean and um and so when I when I when that happened I was just like I kind of was like do I just grab his arm or do I do I stick with it do I stick to my guns and get my cane because I knew that if I just grabbed his arm like from then on he would kind of still have that in his head like unless I I was like no I'm gonna I'm gonna I need my cane like it's a you know like then he wouldn't like in the future he would kind of just not not worry about the cane. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah, like yeah. if I didn't enforce it then, then it was never going to like sink in, I guess. And so I was like, Oh, and I was like, it's okay. I was like, I'll still have you, but I'll have my cane too. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So <laughs> yeah. I was like, how do I, how do I, how do I navigate this situation? Cause of course I didn't want to like, I didn't want to offend my dad. I didn't want to make him feel bad. But at the same time I felt like, okay, we'll I have to. So how did you, this, how did you like, navigate that situation? Well, I mean, like I said, I just, I just kind of thought like, well, how do we approach this? You know, and so it took, I had to pause, but I did tell him <laughs> like, it's okay, dad, you know, like, well now I'll just have you and my cane. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, that's pretty much what I told him. And he was like, okay. And he got it for me. And then we went along with it, you know, but that was just weird. I just remember when he said that I kind of wanted to cry. I was like, Oh, I love my daddy, you know, <laughs> but, um, it was just, it was, yeah. It's so, so afterward, I think like things were clearer for me and it was, it was easier for me to be able to say that I was blind. It was easier for me to be okay with myself for being blind, but all in all, like, you know, it still came with things that I had to navigate just like that. And, and like with my friend, Steven, you know, yeah. and I mean, they're, they're fewer and further between, but I mean, every blind person I think knows that there's always going to be some kind of weird an awkward situation where somebody grabs you by the cane or some person tries to pull you across the street or whatever it is, you know, those, that's always going to happen given, like I said, it's, it's not as often, but it does happen. And so we, I think really we just get better at navigating those situations. But I think when it comes to, to figuring them out, when it comes to our loved ones, that's the hardest part, you know, but once you can get past that, then. So how how big of a deal is the cane or how big of a deal was the cane you know, finally going back home with the cane and like, yeah, look, this is it. Like, here's the cane. You guys see it, you know, 
Like you finally, you you guys can finally see the cane. Like, how, yeah. How was that? How did you? Because I, I know when I, I was kind of nervous. When, like when I first went back home after leaving Chris Cole with the mm-hmm. cane, I was like, oh, how are they going to react to the cane? Oh, I'm kind of nervous. Like you know, but they knew I was blind. How, how did you feel in that moment? I was the same way. I mean, I felt super nervous. And like I said, at that point, because I mean, it's weird because even though like everybody already knew I was blind, I still felt like I I carried some air of normalcy, I guess. And then it was the cane that really was what set me apart, because at that point, it's not even a question. It's it's like the honest truth. It's reality at that point. You know what I mean? And so there's not even, like I said, you can't fake it anymore. And so, yeah, I was super nervous because, because then it's like, okay, now again, it's not even a question. It's just the elephant in the room. Well, at least it is if you let it be, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, that's when, again, you know, I had to just kind of figure out how to navigate those situations, um, more delicately. So I didn't ever want to hurt anybody. Um, but at the same time I was nervous because I'm like, well, now that it's true, (laughs) it's real. Um, what, how are they going to treat me? You know what I mean? But all in all, I don't think anybody really treated me any differently other than like, now they're like, okay, well, you can't hit something with your cane, which I had to like navigate, you know, I had to educate people on that part. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it wasn't easy. It really wasn't easy. It was definitely scary. Cause again, at that point, it wasn't something that I could hide anymore. Was there a certain point or a moment in time, um, where like, okay, now they know, the nervous is not, but now the cane is me. I'm empowered by the cane. It's, it's me and the cane are the one. Is there a moment after that nervousness where it went away? I think yes. And I think it went away at different points in different situations. So like, I I can honestly say that I don't even, I think that when I was in school, like it went away before it went away um, a lot easier at school than it did with my family. Like my family, I think was the hardest one to kind of get over. But I remember one day, um, again, we're shopping in Santa Fe, probably it's like me and my mom this time, you know, and I'm getting out of the car and I think I had like opened the back door to get my purse or something. And my mom's like, don't forget your cane. And I was like, huh? All right. (laughs) (laughs) So that was kind of like, okay, like my mom is okay with this. Like, you know what I mean? So and, and then even at some point, I think like my brother never really told me like, don't forget your cane, but he'd be like, don't, do you need this? Like, don't you need this? Like here, <laughs> you know? So like it kind of got to the point where they were just more normal. Like they were more, I feel like they were just more okay with it, yeah. you know? And, and, and because of their actions, it kind of just showed. And so, you know, um, I think that's how it finally got to be okay with me using my cane in front of my family, like how I, how I kind of overcame that with my family. But, and and like I said, yeah, like with, with friends, it was always just kind of like, Oh, cool. Okay. Now you're going to use that. Just don't hit anything with it. And then, you know, you tell them like, Oh, well, this is what it does or whatever. And then they're like, Oh, you should show me how to use it. And then, (laughs) Oh, can I, can I try with the blindfold, blah, blah, blah. You know? So, um, so I think it, it happened a little bit more seamlessly with school and friends. Um, but all in all, like, um, yeah, I mean, once, you know, once I was able to, once, like I said, that weight got lifted off of my shoulders, um, when I was like, oh, wow, this is so much easier to walk with a cane than it is to walk without one. I think at that point, just in the general public, I, I, already, I felt pretty empowered at that point anyway, because then, oh, yeah, I could go to Walmart by myself and not have to worry about, um, planning for like three days in advance just to make sure that I can get there without 
you know, hurting myself sure. or, um, you know, not freaking out about it. So, um, and I mean, there was some freak out, don't get me wrong. Like there's still some like, Oh, <laughs> well, I know how to cross streets, but do I really know, <laughs> you know, so like, like there was a little bit of kind of nervousness that came along with it, but it wasn't like straight up like anxiety. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think just kind of right off the bat, the empowerment kind of came, but it had to sort of build itself throughout the different parts of my life um, over time, you know? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, okay. So now like you went back home with the cane, like you're now you're, you're one with the cane. So what was happening next in your life? Um, so I'm home and then again, well, I'm back to school, you know, after, well, no, that's not true. <laughs> after, <laughs> after the uh, orientation center, I did not go back to school. That was my plan. Right. But I guess plans are meant to be broken. Yeah. Um, I, at that point kind of, I finished my training there. I started in January and finished in May. Um, because like I said, I wanted to get back to school. So that was my plan and I stuck to it. Sure. Um, and then that summer we were, they were having their step program every summer. The orientation center has like a, it's students in transition to employment program. Mm -hmm. So they have a two month long program there and they were like, Hey, you know, we don't have a teacher in this certain area. Like, do you want to teach personal management for the summer? Or at least, you know, for the next three months, like do June, July, while well, the students are here and then kind of help us like revamp it in August during the, you know, two weeks off or whatever. And I was like, sure, why not? You know, and at that time, like I was in college already for what, like five, six years. I wanted money, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was kind of getting burned out with school for a lot of reasons. Probably the, the struggling with blindness kind of added to it, but I was like, yeah, I want to try it, you know? So I took the summer internship. And then um, August rolls around and they're like, hey, we still don't have anybody to fill this position, but we're opening up We're, you know, we're going to we're going to open up the job. So if you, you know, if you want to apply, then feel free. So I did. And golly, I got the job. So I started <laughs> working there that like full time that, you know, September. Um, and then I ended up working there for two years. Well, I guess at that point, I mean, including the internship, it was about two years. Yeah. OK. Um. So I worked there until May. Hmm. Okay. No, that's not true. I worked there until April of 2014. And then, um, well, like I said, I taught personal management there. And then I don't know, I guess because of my empowerment, I was like, wow, I can go anywhere and do anything. So I want to move to a big city and experience what that's like. Like, I mean, growing up, I kind of always thought, I would, I would kind of travel a lot. Like I always pictured myself like that strong, independent woman who was sure. going to travel. And yeah. I don't know if I ever pictured myself like that truly, but I always wanted to be that, yeah. you know? Um, so I was like, I'll travel, I'll live different places. I'll experience different cultures. I'll have a really cool job. Um, and so at this point I'm, I'm feeling empowered enough to kind of do that. So I, I start looking for jobs in other places. And I was like, where are some cities that I'd be interested in living in? And I've always loved music. So I kind of thought, huh, maybe, you know, Seattle, uh, Washington. So I kind of started looking for jobs in that area. Um, and then, of course, Austin. And my sister was already here. And ton of music, you know, cool city. So I started looking for jobs here. And so those were kind of the two places I was looking at. So I, everything kind of fell into place in a weird way. So I kept telling myself, like, okay. And I think I was still a little bit, like, nervous about moving out of New Mexico, about leaving my comfort zone, you know? Yeah. Um, so I kept telling myself like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to apply. And if I get, um, and then we'll see, we'll see if I even get like an interview, you sure. know? Um, cause of course, like 
it was brand new to me. So I kind of thought like, ah, I probably won't get a, an interview. I won't make it through the process. So it's not a big deal. Well, so then of course, um, um, I got a call from, um, from, uh, it wasn't a center, um, in Seattle, but it was just like the, the general VR agency. Yeah. And then I got a call from Austin and I was like, huh? Okay. So then, um, <laughs> I was like, all right, so I'll do interviews with them both. Well, Okay, so the interview for Austin got set up first. So they did like a, a phone interview. Yeah. Um, and then at that point, I was like, okay, well, I can drop, I can drop Seattle because like they, it took them a while to get back to me anyway. Um, but so um, then finally, uh, they, they do my background check and then they're like, hey, you know, we just need you. We want you to come in for like an interview here, like an in-person interview. Would you be able to do that? And I was like, I don't know, you know, maybe. <laughs> so um, I figure, okay, well, I can I can jet set to Austin for the weekend. So I flew out on a Thursday. My interview was supposed to be that following Friday morning, but it got postponed because there was like an ice storm in Austin or there was like a freeze or something. So they had to close the building. <laughs> um, so it got moved to that afternoon. So I went in for my interview. And then, of course, I stayed with my sister here in Austin. And I remember kind of her asking me afterward, like, are you going to, if they offer you the job, are you actually going to take it? And I was like, um, well, and you know, so I'm still trying to like make it super kind of far-fetched, I think in a way in my head, I was kind of, I was trying to like make my standards kind of too high yeah. because I was, I was nervous about getting the job and what I might do, you know? Yeah. Um, so I was like, well, maybe if they offer me this much money, thinking that that was like way too high for them to offer me. <laughs> and then like the following week, I get a phone call and it was like almost exactly, it was like that amount. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, uh. this is too good to be true. <laughs> um, so I was like, well, I guess I can't say no now, you know? Um, so yeah, um, I then I decided to take it. And so this was probably at the beginning, like the end of February. And um, he was like, well, when can you start? And I was like, well, I want to leave the agency that I am in right now, like in good standing and whatever. So I wanted to give a 30 day notice and they allowed me to do that. So I started, um, I started here on April 7th, I believe of 2014. Um, so it was funny because I started Monday the 7th and my last day at the, the orientation center in New Mexico was like April fourth or whatever so like i ended there on friday and i started here on a monday so like <laughs> moving was crazy and packing and finding my apartment and stuff was crazy but luckily you know my sister was here so i lived with her for about a month was there a certain comfort level of like you know seattle is seattle there's i don't have family there but austin there's at least i have my sister there yeah, there was that. Yeah, I would have to say that for sure. Like it was a little bit less like daunting because I wouldn't be completely on my own, you know? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think that was a good kind of like cushion um, until I could get on my feet completely. And and like, I mean, you know, like I said, I got here and I, I kind of already knew like what a, well, I already knew the apartment complex I wanted to live in because <laughs> I had looked it up online and, you know, I had some friends look at pictures with me and whatnot. And I was like, I want to live there. So it wasn't very far from where my sister lived. So we were able to walk there one day. And I went in and I was like, I want an apartment. Like it was basically a weekend <laughs> after I got here. And they're like, well, we can't get you an apartment that you want until like May 5th was the day that like the move in day that they gave me. So yeah, I ended up staying um, with my sister for about a, a month. Yeah. And then I moved in on May 5th and that was, yeah. So that's how that 
<laughs> that's how the Austin part of my life started. So, okay, navigating. So you went from navigating to like a college to another college, and now you're going to have to navigate a new city. How was that experience? It was different and in a lot of ways. Because again, I grew up in New Mexico and everything there is small. Like you don't have a lot of public transportation. Um, you don't have a, like a lot of stuff. You don't have as much stuff to do as Austin. The cities aren't quite as large. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that was definitely different. But again, by this point, you know, I was I was used to using my cane. I was I was okay with it. I was feeling super empowered. So I was kind of at the point where I was like, nothing's gonna stop me, you know? Yeah. Um, so when I got to Austin, of course, I had never I mean, I had used a bus system um in training, but I had never really used one on a regular basis. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. that was where like I kind of understood how they worked for the most part, but I didn't completely understand how they worked, you know. So that was something I kind of learned to navigate here was the, the public transportation. Um, and I used that, you know, a lot actually. Cause then I was like, wow, this is so cool. Because even in places <laughs> in New Mexico, like where there is public transportation, like Albuquerque, it runs from like 7am to like 7pm. Whereas like here it runs until midnight and it's just like, whoa, this is great. And not only does it run until midnight, but it runs more frequently and there's buses in more places, you know? So, um, so yeah, it was actually, that was very empowering. Um, and, you know, new city. Um, I mean, my sister's here, of course she had her own family. So like, I kind of was like in a way on my own. Cause I was like, okay, well, you know, I still have like this life in front of me, you know yeah, what I mean? And yeah. I can go out and do whatever I want to do and, and stuff and, and make new friends and, experience new things and ride the bus because golly, I didn't have that anywhere else, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, of course getting to and from places was a lot easier and wow, that totally changed my life. So like this city is known for music and, and, and you know, yes. just live music. So, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, that was one of your, your, your options as music, a music city, mm -hmm. navigating music, navigating every corner to just to listen to music. How was that? So that was, I think that, I mean, it's not an easy task. I'll no, say it's that. not. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think at that point, I'm not even going to lie. I was just so like, I felt so empowered. I felt so just like ready to go. Cause I almost felt like a new person. You know what I mean? Yeah. At that point in my life. So I was just, I didn't even care. I just went and I did whatever I needed to do to get wherever I needed to get. And and I just, I didn't care about like any weird barriers. I just did it, you know? Sure. Um, and then I can honestly say that I've, I've since come off that high. Um, and so now I've, I'm like, Oh, he, 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 this place is really loud. How am I going to find the <laughs> restroom? How am I going to find the bar? And so, yeah, like I said, I've kind of come down from that high. Um, but even still, like I'm, I may not be as like courageous as I once was, but I mean, I know that it's still possible. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get afraid um, in that, like, oh, I can't do this. I'm not going to go to that concert because it would just be too difficult. Yeah. Um, I just know that I have to maybe prepare a little bit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. maybe um, take a friend or maybe when I get there, like I might have to ask a bunch of questions. You know what I mean? Sure. But, um, but it's just now it's really just part of everyday life, you know? So when you got here, this this city is it's a big blind friendly city. Well, a big blind community city. Um, is, yeah. did you, did you know that when you moved here or did you experience something when you, when you moved here about that? Um, I think I feel like I kind of, I don't know if I really knew like for sure, but 
I mean, I guess because like the school for the blind is here and like the, this, you know, Chris Cole is here. Um, I think that also, you know, there's a big beat baseball team, which I knew because, because of my sister. So, I mean, like I knew the, the community that she was a part of. So I was like, okay, yeah. So obviously like there's a lot of blind people there. Everybody seems to be doing well. I think it's going to be okay. You know what I mean? Sure. So, um, yeah, I think, and then obviously here in Austin, blind friendly or not, I think it's just such a like easy going place that you can be whoever you want to be. Like you can have, like you can be wearing like a unicorn costume with pink hair <laughs> yeah. on the corner of, you know, whatever street that you're crossing. And, and somebody's going to be like, I love your hair. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's normal. <laughs> and somebody's going to walk up and be like, oh my gosh, I love that color. Yeah. You know, or, you know, so I, I kind of feel like, I mean, first of all, yeah, I, I think it is definitely blind friendly, but I think it's just friendly in general. So I've never really felt a ton of judgment in the city. I mean, you know, not not like significantly sure okay so will you okay so 2014 you finally moved to austin you get the job at chris cole what happens next well <laughs> <laughs> a whole lot of stuff i guess like i mean i would say um at that point i you know i fell in with with my my my, my initial group of friends you know i started meeting a bunch of people um we started hanging out going downtown clubbing you know um, I had this friend who, uh, another girl that had moved to Austin recently, we were about the same age. Um, and so we were always kind of clubbing. Um, we were going downtown, you know, just hanging out, finding new music. I used to love that. I had a friend um, who actually used to work at Chris Cole as well. And he was also very into music. So um, when I first got here, I was like, I want to see this band and this band and this band and this band. And he was like, <laughs> all right, let's go. And of course, you know, I mean, I feel like in general, it's, it's safer to not go on your own, you know, especially like as short little girl, like me, um, short <laughs> yeah. little lady like me, you know? So I was like, I don't really want to go to any of these by myself, but you know, I found somebody who was willing to go with me. Um, so, um, so, you know, I started just checking out all these places, you know, like downtown, um, South Congress, you know, just South Austin in general. Um, I saw everybody, like I saw Reckless Kelly. I saw a bunch of new bands that I had never even heard of that are local to Austin. I saw a bunch of bands that aren't local to Austin that I'd never seen before. And I'd always wanted to see, you know, um, all kinds of venues like the Belmont, um, you know, the, um, golly, there's so many, yeah. <laughs> the Belmont, <laughs> the, um, like the, uh, oh, gee, I can't think of it. Um, well, you know, just all these different venues you know Club, i remember Bottle, yeah oh yeah continental you know sea boys like and then you know your bigger ones like the paramount and stuff like that yeah mm, excuse me like the Irwin center bass concert hall like all these places you know and it was just so fun and of course you know you walk around downtown and there's these all of these little hole in the wall bars where just like you hear random people playing and in fact now that like we're we're in quarantine and whatever. Um, that's one thing that I really miss is just walking around downtown and, and like just hearing the music, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And wandering into like some random bar and like hanging out there until the set's over and then finding the next one, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, that's one thing that I just, I love about Austin. Um, you never know what musician you're going to find and who you're going to meet. I mean, I've met a couple of people here that I'm like, Whoa, that's kind of cool. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, just, but like I said, at that point in the, in the, in my life, I kind of was just like super empowered anyway, you know, and then it kind of just became normal to me to kind of do that stuff. And now, um, of course now, like I said, I've kind of come off of that high. I mean, I'm still empowered, but I'm not like, 
you know, I can do anything. I'm immortal, you know? Um, but, um, but now, I mean, I still do the same stuff. I think just now I I think about it a little bit more (laughs) (laughs) before I actually do it. So, and was it here in Austin where you started like, I mean, you've always been into dancing, but where did, was it here in Austin where you started taking it more seriously? Oh yeah, definitely. So, um, so when I was, when I was at New Mexico state, my first couple of years in college, I got involved there with like the swing club, you know, the swing dance club. They did a little bit of that. Never got like super good at it, but you know, a little bit, I got a taste. And then when I was at Highlands at New Mexico Highlands, my second university, um, that's when I started getting into like Latin dancing, like salsa and bachata. Yeah. Um, and I, again, I mean, I got a taste and really get super good at either of those. But then when I came to Austin, it had been about a year. And I remember thinking like, golly, like, you know, this is such a big city. I'm going to all, you know, I'm checking out all this music. I'm going to all these new places, trying new food, going to different bars, blah, blah, blah. But I was like, well, what else can I do here that I, that I couldn't do in New Mexico? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I kind of thought like, well, I've always wanted to dance, you know? And of course, like at the time, like dancing with the stars was big and all that. And so I'm like, huh, I wonder if I could get dance lessons, you know? And so oddly enough, like I said, I feel like everything just kind of fell, like fell in place. Um, I was, uh, well, I mean, I was working at Chris Cole and um, we were doing a scavenger hunt one summer for like our students in the summer program. And we broke them down into groups basically. And so I was helping with O&M cause um, I'm also certified. <laughs> Lo and behold, I used to hate O&M and now I'm certified <laughs> as an O&M instructor, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, but at this point I'm certified in O&M and they needed help, you know, with these students doing the scavenger hunt in the triangle, which is across the street from the center there. Yeah. And you know, the triangle is just an area with all these businesses and some apartments above the businesses and whatnot. And so I went out probably four different times with these groups of kids doing the scavenger hunt and there was one clue it was like you walk in and you dance out or something and so it ended up being the Fred Astaire dance studio and that it had just opened it had maybe been there for like a year at this point um maybe and so um we went in there and every time we'd go in there I kind of stand in the back because of course my students were supposed to be the ones to ask the questions (laughs) and um and we we met every single time we went in there, we met Dylan and he was one of the teachers there and he's like, yeah, yeah. And so I just kind of stand there and he'd see me every time and he'd be like, hi, Joni. Like, you know, because he got to know my name after probably the second time that we were in there. And then, um, okay, so we came back out and then, yeah, like I said, I was kind of thinking like, well, maybe I should try some dancing, you know. So one day after work, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to try something new. And of course, you know you always have to adjust to something new. Right. So I'm thinking like, I'm going to go in there and then what I'm like, what are they going to say? Are they going to think like, Oh, well, she's blind. We can't work with her. How are we going to teach a blind girl? Blah, blah, blah. So all of these ideas were in my head and I'm like, how are they going to react to me? So I was a little bit nervous about it. So it took me a while to actually go in. But, um, I remember (laughs) kind of thinking like in career guidance, uh, you kind of learn, like, you know, you have your disclosure statement. And I remember thinking like, okay, I'm going to come up with like a disclosure statement (laughs) for for this dance studio. And so um, I would walk by it every day um, to and from work because it was on my way. It was between the bus stop and my office, right? Sure. So um, one evening I just was like, I'm just going to go in there. So I just walked in there and I'm like, hey. And then Dylan comes up and he's like, where are all of the other 
students or whatever. You're all your students. And I'm like, well, you know, they're, they're done for the day. But I came in because I want to take dance lessons. And he was like, really? And I'm like, yeah. And I was like, and I know that I'm blind, but yada, 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 yada. I can still dance because, you know, my feet work fine. And just because I can't see doesn't mean I can't dance. And I went off with like my little disclosure statement. <laughs> and and he was like, okay. <laughs> and it was like, you know that like, we don't care if you can see or not. Like we train a lot of our dancers under blindfold because it helps you like, feel the music better it helps you connect with your partner better oh wow he's i didn't like, know that yeah exactly he's like we don't care if you're blind or not and i was like oh like <laughs> I, like you know on cartoons like where you know like on cartoons where like a character just like learns something that's just like whoa and like their jaw just like drops oh yeah and yeah they like falls off <laughs> of their face that's kind of how i felt i was just like oh okay and so <laughs> that's where that's where that started and so um yeah so i i went um and i started training at fred astaire so yeah this is my first ever like full-on professional training you know um and i worked with dylan for a year for like you know probably three times a week for about a year and it was awesome i learned all of the the profession i mean all of the well all of the like ballroom core dances um i learned i got just you know super good basic you know, well, not even really basic by the end, but like, you know, very good technical training and stuff like that. And it was awesome. And so I hung out there, like I said, for about a year. Um, and then I kind of decided again, I'm going to branch out more because I wanted to do more than just ballroom at that point. Because ballroom is like, you know, waltz, tango, foxtrot, cha-cha, rumba, swing, you know, so, um, you know, Viennese waltz. So it's a lot of stuff that you don't really see in what we call like a social dancing type situation. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's, there's swing, like a swing circuit. You can do cha-cha on some of the Latin circuits, but all the other stuff you don't really see in a, in a real like social dance. You can't go downtown and like find a club where you can foxtrot. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So I kind of thought like, yeah, I want to get into this a little bit more socially. Um, cause at, at Fred Astaire, the cool thing was, I think it was a huge confidence builder. Um, because really, I mean, it's all like it's just so fun. It's so technical. Um, but it's, it's, it's a very competitive, um, atmosphere. So you really want to get good at what you do. And then when you get out there and you're like, finally you're competing or you're in a show, it's like, okay, I made it. You know what I mean? Like I'm actually decent at this. Like I might not be the best, but I'm good enough, you know? Yeah. Um, so that happened. And then, um, about a year after I decided to try out a new studio and do a little bit more swing, focus on that more, focus on salsa more, do a little bit more country type stuff. Um, and so, yeah, then I, I moved over to, um, to go dance studios, which, um, is a Austin local sure. dance, um, studio and there's two of them. So, um, I, I go to the one up on, well, I go to both of them for the most part. I mean, um, you can do classes at both and do like socials and whatnot at both, but I, I tend to stick to the one on, uh, in the North cross shopping center. So I want to make this very clear. Cause, uh, I asked you before we started recording <laughs> and uh, one of my friends told me like, yeah, I think she was with Dancing with the Stars. Like, she, no, she was with Dancing with the Stars. Like, <laughs> I want to, like, I don't know. So I did research. I didn't find your name anywhere in Dancing with the Stars. Like, let me ask before I, I you know, make myself look like a fool. Like, so when did you join Dancing with the Stars? <laughs> so uh, I'll let it come out your mouth. Were you on Dancing with the Stars? 
No, okay, I cool. wasn't. I wish. <laughs> I wish. Although, like, you know, when I first started dancing, I was so into it. And I would, like, talk to my parents about it and stuff. And my dad was always like, you're going to be on Dancing with the Stars. And I remember one night, um, I think it was, like, during the holidays, I had gone home um, to visit, you know. Yeah. And um, my parents and I, there was, like, a new little, like, like brewery in town in our small little hometown. So it was, like, all the rage, you know. So my yeah. parents were like, let's go. Let's go. I'll sh- we'll, we'll take you to this new brewery. And so <laughs> we went. And I remember, like, we just saw so many people there. Because it's a small town. Everybody knows everybody, you know. Sure. And um, my dad's like, yeah, yeah. She's going to be on Dancing with the Stars. She's going to be on Dancing with the Stars. And he was telling everybody that. And I was like, <laughs> oh, gee. You know. And then I remember thinking, like, well, that would be so cool cool if I was on Dancing with the Stars maybe I'll get there someday and then I remember thinking like wait a minute you have to be a star first to be on Dancing <laughs> with the Stars like I'm not famous and I don't know I don't I, I don't think I'll ever be we'll see I guess um but you know I think that's a I think that's a requirement <laughs> unfortunately but yeah so like but yeah you know in the eyes of my dad I'm gonna be on Dancing yeah. with the Stars and I'm okay with that I'm totally okay with that so do you think there's a connection between um you know, with other with other activities, but one like in your in your uh, life, dancing, um, is there a connection with that and blindness? As in, like, you know, they had to, you know, they teach him in blindfold. Was there like a connection? Like, oh, this is like orientation and mobility. Um, yeah, kind of. In that, like, yeah, they they kind of teach you um, things like that. You are a. That, uh, I would compare it to O and M, and not so much because you you have like the cane, but because of course in orientation mobility, mobility is your cane, right? That helps you navigate the world. Yeah. But orientation is kind of how are you gonna like how do you know where you are in space? Like the cane will help you navigate the space, but you have to know where in space you are, right? Sure. And you can do that based on what you're hearing, what you're feeling, stuff like that. And so dancing is kind of like that. So a lot of it is really you're going to, you're going to know where to go because of what your partner, um, tells you based on their movement. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they're not going to tell you like, step back, keep going back now, turn to the right. No, it's based on your connection to them. And what I mean, connection, like, how are you holding them? Like you generally will hold one hand and then put your, as a lead, you'll hold one hand and put your hand around your follower's waist. And as a follow, um, you hold one hand and then put your other hand on their sh- on your lead's shoulder, right? Sure. So you kind of have to like hold on to each other and create a connection so that if they go forward, you know to go back. Like you almost become like one one being. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. then your your their movement is your movement and your energy is their energy. So it all kind of flows through like that. And of course, like you're not looking down at each other's feet. Um, you're looking up or you're looking at each other. Sometimes just depending on the dance that you're doing, you're looking out to the side. Maybe you're looking at the audience. You know what I mean? Sure. But never are you looking down at your feet. And so like, um, and you're not looking at your partner's feet either. It's all based on feeling. And then of course, you know, when to start based on the music, you know, kind of like the, um, you know, kind of how to, because it's all about emotion too. You know what I mean? Like yeah. songs are all about music is emotion. And so, not only do you have to move to that song, but you have to kind of portray the emotion that it's giving off. You know what I mean? Is it happy? Is it kind of somber? Um, And so you know that based on what you're hearing. You know what I mean? Sure. So, um, you know, now you got some some skills, you got training. Was there any time or any moment where like, 
people would introduce you or you, you did any shows with like this is a blind dancer or was there ever like oh she's a dancer but she still happens to be blind too so i've had both and i think that originally like so i think that some places or some people might focus on that more as kind of almost i hate to say it but i think in a way there was a point where i felt like i became like a marketing tool does that make sense yeah and that i, I didn't i didn't like that sure. um and so I kind of decided, okay, I'm not, I'm not okay with this. You know, like we, we need to, we need to stop it. So yeah, I kind of feel like that was a thing. And so they were like, oh, let's, can we interview you so you can talk about your story and, you know, cause you're such an inspiration to everybody. And I'm like, you know what? That's not what I want to be. I just want to dance. And I know that like, you know, I did go through times where when that stuff started happening, I kind of thought like, hmm, you know, am I really a good dancer or are they just telling me that? Because, of course, I can't see. So I can't measure my skills against, like, the skills of other dancers on the floor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so sometimes, like, when that did start happening, I kind of doubted myself. Like, okay, wait a minute. Am I really good at this? Or are they just telling me this? Because I'm their inspirational Story. candy. Yeah. And their inspiration. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of tough. But, um, like I said... I, I did what I could to stop it. And then um, at the new studio where I am, I, I haven't felt that at all, ever. Like, nobody has ever focused on that. Um, like, sometimes, you know, like, they ask me for pointers, which is kind of cool. And, I mean, everybody knows I'm blind. Everybody, like, will ask me, oh, do you need me to walk you back to your seat after a dance or whatever? No, but nobody, like, it, I'm not the inspiration. You You're know what I mean? You're not a blind dancer. You're just a dancer. Exactly. Yeah. I'm a dancer. Exactly. And that's, that is something I really appreciate a lot um, now because I've been in both places and, you know, um, I still get things like, you know, for people who, you know, I mean, it's a big studio. So some people know me and some people don't, and some people have seen me with my cane. So yeah, they know I'm blind and, but they've never met me like really in person. And, you know, I still get questions like um, we did a show um, a couple summers ago. It was one of my, that's probably my second show with this new studio with Go Dance. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I had already been proving myself, you know, like people knew that I could dance reasonably well. Yeah. And, um, and so we're backstage after I just done like a little like minute long Foxtrot number in one of our, like in our opening parade of dance. And I come off stage and, you know, this guy's back there and he was like, wow. He was like, you're, you did that so well. And I'm like, well, thanks. And he was like, well, how do you learn? And I was like, what do you mean? How do I learn? And he was like, well, you can't see. Like, how do you learn the steps? And I was like, well, I mean, like, you know, and, and I mean, honestly, the first the first way that you learn is like they tell you like the step pattern. You yeah. know what I mean? Somebody mm -hmm. tells you and then you practice it. And then eventually you get really good at, at your partner connection. And and then like now, a lot of the time, like my my coach, um, he'll just like run me through like he'll he'll be showing me a new move and he'll just lead me through it and then i'll i'll be done and i'm like what did i i'm like that was cool he's like what do you think and i'm like that was cool and then he's like cool and i'm like what did i just do you know because <laughs> you know when a lot you know i mean and that that kind of is a that's just a good partner connection like you know if they can lead you through something that you've never done and you just kind of follow it um, that's a, that's a pretty decent partner connection, but then it's like, okay, so now what did I just do? Like, let's break it down. But because I've already kind of felt it, I'm like, okay, you know, like yeah. this is just us stepping it back and doing it a little bit more slowly. Um, but you know, so I think it really just starts with instruction, like with anything else, you know? 
how much of a confidence booster was this? Because I, I met you into, well, I want to say I met you. I, so, okay. I came to Austin in 2016, uh, in 2015 in December, I did a tour and you were actually my tour guide. And, uh, <laughs> and when I met you, like oh. you were like boosting with confidence, like, man, like how, how, this is how people is here. Cause I, I don't know. I don't think I can do this. And like, so like at this point you already had a year in training, like how much of a confidence booster was this? <laughs> well, I mean, that's a good question. Like I said, I think the training, I mean, itself, like me just accepting it was a huge confidence booster. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then um, going out there and I think dancing is a good confidence booster for anybody just because it's like you're learning. And, and I wouldn't even say just dancing, but like a new skill, you know, like sure. if you want to do you want to do dancing or you want to play the guitar the first time you play your first full song. I mean, that's got to be a good confidence booster, you know? Yeah. Um, or the first time you, um, you go out and, and you like, I don't know, do Krav Maga or, 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 you know what I mean? Like just going out. And first of all, I think that as blind people, like in the blind community, um, well, first of all, as blind people, even not in the blank community, I think we lose our confidence, right? Because yeah. of course there's like all of the social ideas that come along with it and the stereotypes. And then we don't know exactly what we can do anyway, because we're not a hundred percent sure of our own capabilities. Um, so first there's that. And then we get in, we, we, we figure out how to navigate blindness and then we're more confident. And then we, we become part of the blind community and we join our, our um, organizations and, whatnot we become part of different groups and we're like okay this is awesome you know now i have a whole community of people and we go out and we do all this stuff and i don't have to worry about being blind because all my friends are blind and blah 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 right and so that's a big confidence booster but then i think you know we have to step outside of those comfort zones too and outside of the blindness or the the world of blindness and kind of get back into the world period yeah. you know what i mean yeah. and I, I think that um you know something new and a new challenge is good for anybody blind or sighted. But sometimes for us, like stepping out, like back into the world, um, outside of blindness, um, is, is an even bigger confidence booster because now not only can we, have we proven to ourselves that we can, we're, we're successful blind people, but not just that, but we're just successful people in general. You know what I mean? That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Cause I remember like, cause I remember when I met you, you were just, yeah, this is that, this is that, like just walking and like, Oh my God, how am I going to do this? <laughs> like, it was just so much confidence. Like, oh, uh, should I, should well, I, should I come here? <laughs> well, it comes with time, right? Like yeah. I said, I mean, I, I was there, you know, like I used to be the person who was like, wow, I'm never going to be able to be that person. Like that, that's a confident blind person. I'm not that, you yeah. know, or even the person who's like, that just seems so easy, you know, and it's not. So, okay. So now, okay. So <laughs> this is 2015, 2016, 2017. Um, so you, you were just recently on a show called blind love. <laughs> so before yeah. we talk about that, um, you had mentioned on the show, uh, you've been jaded. So like you, you've gone through some tough times. How did they, how did they reach out to you? How'd they find you? On all that good stuff. How did you get there before you actually got on the show? Hmm. Okay. Good question. So I did say I was jaded. Like I said, um, as far as relationships are concerned, um, 
uh, going back to my, um, the, the, the boyfriend with the lawyer mom, that was the last probably, well, that was the last before I moved to Austin. Um, honest, like, you know, serious relationship that I had. And so, you know, when that ended, it was very painful, especially because I had connected with his family. I connected with him. He had connected with my family. Like my nieces just loved him. Like I remember it was so cute because my nieces were probably like five. (laughs) One of them was about five when him and I broke up. Um, Well, and that's not true. She was older than that. Um, No, no, she might've been about five. Um, But uh, you know, maybe six in that, in that range, you know, like the cute little, like cute, um, yeah. <laughs> stage of life and um, she just loved him and I remember when we broke up she's she's the younger of the two and the older one apparently was the one that told her that we broke up because her older sister is about two years older than she is and I got a voicemail from her and um, she was like Nina you know my sister told me that you broke up with so and so and she was so mad like she was just mad like she was yelling into the phone I feel like I have that voicemail somewhere still on like my very first <laughs> iPhone but it was just the cutest thing so you know that was that was painful and then I remember like talking to one of my aunts about it and she was like oh you guys broke up and I'm like yeah and she's like well I really liked him for you and I'm like thanks that's not helping you know and like I mean of course I didn't say that to her but that's what I was thinking and then you know just like I remember we broke up and like the Thanksgiving after we're sitting, you know, me and my family are sitting at Thanksgiving dinner. And one of my uncles are like, so where's so-and-so? And And I'm like, we (sighs) broke up. And they're like, oh, I'm like, it's been like six months, (laughs) you know? So, I mean, it was hard. It was hard for, for a lot of reasons. Like I said, I mean, he knew my family. I knew his, we were close with each other's families. It was just, it was tough. And so, um, so, you know, several years later I'm moving to Austin and I I hadn't like been ready or even, I don't think I really wanted a relationship. Um, And then I got to Austin and of course it's like, wow, it's this big booming new city. And a bunch of my friends were like, oh yeah, dating apps, go dating online, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, huh. So one of my friends at the time was using OkCupid and she, she was living in Maryland, but and crazy enough, she she found her soulmate on there because they're married now. Oh, but wow. yeah, so she was <laughs> she was telling me about OKQ, but I'm like, hey, why not? I might try it. I'm in a new city. Like, you know, the possibilities are endless. You sure. know, the world is my oyster, blah, blah, blah. And so I got on and I, I was trying it and whatever. And I thought, hey, this is kind of cool. And I mean, that didn't lead to anything other than awkward moments and some <laughs> kind of, you know, some interesting stories, at least in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so... Um, at that time, I had a, a, a sighted friend who saw um, who saw a um, an advertisement. They were doing casting for this project, um, this blind love project, and um, she was like, "Hey, you know, like you're kind of dating and blah blah blah." And she mentioned it to another friend of mine as well of ours who was also blind. Sure. Who was also blind, and um, she was, you know, my sighted friend was like, "Maybe you guys should should try this," and we were like. Hmm, well, think about it. And so my other, the other friend tried it. She was like, yeah, I'm going to put in a, a call for this, blah, blah, blah. And um, so she went for it. And I was like, okay, maybe I might. So I, I feel like maybe I did too. I don't even remember. I, I think I put in, um, I think I put in like a, like a, you know, I went with the casting call. I answered the casting call. And, um, but like I said, I don't remember. <laughs> I, I like, it just kind of happened. It was weird. So, so. <laughs> my friend got called for like, um, 
like a video session, basically like a, you know, a face, not um, like a FaceTime deal or sure. Skype, whatever. So she did it. And the, the director producer, like the, the head of the project was kind of asking her all these questions about, you know, do you have friends that are blind and that might want to participate in this as well? Like as just your friends, like your on-screen friend, blah, blah, blah. And so she mentioned me. And so the producer went ahead and um, requested a Skype call with me. And I went ahead and did it, you know, like, okay, yeah, I can be the friend of the friend on the show, you know? Um, So I did it. And then, I mean, it kind of took a while because I think that, well, first of all, the casting, it kind of took a while um, because she was kind of looking for people around the country and she wanted, you know, a diverse group. So she was looking for, you know, like males, females, um, pretty much millennial ages. You know what I mean? Um, people who had been in relationships, who hadn't been in relationships, um, people who were doing online dating, people who weren't, you know, um, you know, she was, she, um, initially some of the casting, um, responders were like, you know, there was, um, you know, she was looking for people who were, you know, in the G, um, LGBT community, um, and, and so I think that part kind of just took a while for that reason. Like, you know, there was um, some casting that needed to be done and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and originally, I, again, I wasn't like super interested in it because at the time, I mean, yeah, I was doing the OK Cupid thing, whatever, but it wasn't, I wasn't super invested in it, I guess. You know, I wasn't taking it super seriously. Yeah. And so, um, so some time went by and then she was like, hey, like, yeah, we want you as one of our focus people. And I was like, really? Like, <laughs> why you know and she's like well you just moved to austin you know you're um part of this demographic that we're looking for you're independent yada 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 you know and i said okay well let me think about it (laughs) and and then i said okay sure why not you know and then i kind of was thinking like well if we need people to like sign off on this stuff like i don't know how it's gonna work but of course this it's not my job to figure that out it's hers right yeah but um i figured okay why not so Finally, um, she was like, okay, well, we're going to do a promo because the, the deal was they wanted to kind of try and sell it before they started with the full project. Um, so that, of course, you know, there could be funding for it. Yeah. Um, so they were going to film a promo for it. And she was working with a, a another, you know, um, cinematographer here in Austin that she introduced me to over the phone. I got to meet this girl who she was she was pretty fun. Actually, we were about the same age. She's from Spain. So we had a lot of cool conversations about just different parts of the world and different cultures and whatnot. And so she ended up filming my promo video. So I worked with her for probably like two days and she filmed me at home. She filmed me in the studio at the time I was still with Fred Astaire. Um, she filmed me, um, well, on a date sort of on a lunch date yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with a potential that ended up being very promising. And, um, and so that's kind of how that worked out. They did the promo um, and then some more time went by and then they were ready to kind of do the full on thing. So, um, you know, of course, she was working with different people around the country. So um, so it took some time to kind of get to each of us. But by the time we finally started filming for me, because it was interesting, she was almost like my therapist to the director. Was, <laughs> um, and her her name's Patty. So, um yeah, but she's kind of like my therapist because she'd call me and be like, so what are some updates? Because she's trying to figure out like, I mean, what I really, I guess to kind of add to it, what I really like about her is she was very much like, I want to know your story so I can portray it as well as possible, as as honestly as possible. Yeah. Um. So, you know, she's constantly calling like, okay, what are your updates? 
Did you meet anybody on OkCupid? Tell me about this guy. Tell me about that guy. Tell me about the guy you had lunch with. Like, what are the updates here? What are the updates there? How's dancing going? You know? Yeah. And so uh, finally, um, you know, by the time we got to the filming, I was already kind of um, getting into sort of a relationship. I wasn't. And and she knows this. And obviously, it's kind of part of the documentary. I had a friend who um, eventually became more than a friend. But because... Because I was jaded and I was sort of hesitant to, you know, enter into a relationship, I was a little bit skeptical and nervous. It took me a while to kind of realize what was going on here and to even, again, just like the blindness, admit it to myself, yeah. you know, um, because of the fear that came along with it. Um, but so um, she did a really great job of just kind of um, capturing our story, I think, in that we were friends and he obviously was interested and I obviously was interested even if I didn't want to admit it to myself (laughs) (laughs) and um just kind of that you know us going from being friends to to being more than that and even to just me like realizing that I really did want to give him a chance you know so this was okay for those who haven't seen the show you might want to pause this here and go watch it but is this uh (laughs) spoiler alert so is this James that we're talking about yes <laughs> okay so y'all are y'all are officially together correct yeah okay good <laughs> and yes spoiler alert but i think everybody should go and watch it it's called blind love and it's on youtube um facebook watch and there, and there is descriptive audio on, yes yeah and it's also on pbs digital and yeah there's descriptive audio so on on youtube you'll um well you'll find both of them everywhere but youtube is the easiest one to find in my opinion yeah <laughs> but um but um you know, if you go to YouTube, type in, in independent lens, that's the channel that it's done through. And then um, there are two blind love playlists. One is with audio description and one is without. So yeah, I mean, it's a seven part little mini series. And all together, it's about an hour long. So each episode's like, like, seven to 10 minutes, probably. So how was it like, looking back at those, uh, those videos, those, 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 um, those episodes um, with you and James and, and how did James uh, react to the, some of the things that you said on there? <laughs> um, I think, well, honestly, I, I can truly say that I've always been honest with him. So like from the beginning, we were friends. Um, and, and when, when, you know, he started to show interest in me, I was a hundred percent honest with him and saying like, you know, I'm not interested in this. This is what happened. This is probably why I'm not interested in this. And, and so forth, you know, um, I can say I've always been honest with him. Have I, have I, have I always been confusing as well? Yeah, probably. (laughs) Um, but, but everything that, that was shown or done or said in the, um, in the documentary, he already, you know, I had already said it to him at some point or another. So none of it was a surprise, you know? Yeah. Um, cause I mean, and that was, that was another thing. I mean, I guess like, even before the whole deal came up, I mean, I've all, I I think honesty is a good policy no matter what, especially when when it it comes to people's feelings. Yes, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, so in the end, when it came down to the documentary, I think that that was a point, a reason that we were actually both pretty lucky because both of us were very honest with each other, so nothing was a surprise. So, how, how long have you known him? Because some of the things that he who was doing on the show was very sweet. Like he was learning how to dance for you. Did, everything, yeah. everything he was navig- helping you navigate. Um, how, how long have you known them? Because like some people who, who you 
just me. They don't know how to do all that stuff. Exactly. Well, and that's the thing. Like, um, he, he also um, works for the, he works in the blind community. Um, and before that, I mean, I think, I mean, he's just a very open-minded guy anyway. Um, but I've known him since 2000, like 2015. Um, and like I said, we were friends at first. And I mean, at first we kind of knew each other and then, and then we became friends and then we were good friends and then we were hanging out all the time. And then it just kind of went from there. So it kind of fit in like a puzzle piece. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, everything with this whole Austin <laughs> deal has just kind of all fallen together. It's weird. So, okay. So do you, is there uh possible wedding bells with you guys? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. You know? Um, D- don't mean to put well, you on the yeah. spot. I was, just, I was just joking about that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep you posted. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, like, that recently happened. So, what's going on in your life now? Like, is anything going, like, the dancing thing still going? Anything, like, big happening? Like, your love life? Like, you're still, like, you, you finally got James. Well, James finally got you. <laughs> so, <laughs> what's going on with you now? Um, it's all, it's all, I mean, at this point, like nothing super exciting. I feel like the excitement factor kind of peaked with the documentary, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's all still dancing. Of course, now, not, not now that we're in quarantine or at least not so much like on my, you know, in my bedroom. Yeah. And in my living room, but that's it. Yeah. Um, but you know, still, I'm still dancing. I'm learning. I'm focusing a lot more now on West coast swing. That's like a, that's a harder dance actually for, for a few reasons. Um, but that's been my main focus for about a year now. Um, and so I'm working on that, working on that, trying to to get to the point where I can maybe compete in it. You know, I was hoping to to be in the competitive arena by by this fall um, for the Texas or the they call it the South Bay. It's a Texas Westie um, deal. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to do what we call a Jack and Jill. So Jack and Jill is kind of like the very beginning kind of part of competition with um with west coast and so they call it jack and jill because you're pretty much partnered up with somebody that you don't know and then you you don't know the song you don't know each other you've never danced together before you go out and you dance and you do as well as you can with a new partner and so i wanted to kind of jump into that arena now in august but you know with the way everything is going it doesn't look like that's going to happen so i'm going to aim for next year um and then i'm going to uh, you know, James and I are doing well. We actually live together now <laughs> um, since about February. And so we're enjoying this quarantine thing together. So how was that? Because like you've always, okay, since you've always been independent, you've always like, it was hard for you to admit things. Now, like you're actually living with someone, uh, you know, a partner where you didn't want to admit that, you know, you wanted to be in a relationship or like not want to be, but you know, you had feelings for him or something. How is that? Like you guys are now living together. Um, it's interesting. I think, I mean, we get along really well. We understand each other pretty well. I think that's still like, I mean, I, I've been on my own for so long that it's still kind of hard sometimes to like share my space, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's getting easier. And I think that we both kind of see that about each other. We understand like each other's needs and stuff. Um, so that's getting a lot easier. Um, but you know, there's still those times that I'm kind of like, Oh, you put this on the wrong shelf or, uh, (laughs) don't leave the cabinet door open or I'm going to like smack my head on it, you know? But all in all, I mean, it's just, I I mean, I think any, anything that like a, a couple that is living together 
for the first time um, kind of experiences, you know? Going through those <clears throat> growing pains. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. But it's been fun, you know? I would definitely say it's been a positive experience. That's good. All right, so uh, looking back at your whole story, everything from, like, being uh, born with, well, not born, but, like, having RP at six and then slowly losing your vision, admitting everything, uh, you know, finally accepting who you are and, you know, being who you are, being Joni Martinez, um, what is some advice, any quotes, any kind of anything that you would tell someone that is listening to this? Like, hey, that's that's just like me. What would you tell them? I feel like I'd say, you know, like, don't give up, because even when it seems like everybody around you is doing really well. I mean, it doesn't mean that they are, first of all. And then second of all, even if they are doing well, it doesn't mean that they were never in your shoes. You know what I mean? So it's all about struggles. I mean, we're all going to struggle at some point and we're all going to feel hopeless and we're going to feel kind of just like we can't do it. But you just, you know, just stick with it and eventually you're going to get there and you're going to be the person that you never thought you could be as long as you, you stick with it. All right. Well, Joni, thank you so much for being on my show. So I'll let you um, end this. Go ahead and tell them who you are and what this was. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me, Stephen. Um, my name is Joni Martinez, and this is my story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Uh, guys, uh, stay tuned for the next episode. Joni, thank you again. Um, go ahead and let, uh, tell them bye. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. I hope that y'all... Um, get something out of this and go check out blame love <laughs> there you go <laughs> bye guys <laughs> <laughs>